Life sucks and I never try suicide Mine's fucked even more than I realise Time's up, keep me moving when she arrives If you ever heard what I heard in my mind Never try, you would cry, that's a lie, you would die I don't wanna ever come down from a high I am in the best seat From time and the next breed If you're coming, coming me directly Don't need no one to defend me Souls in a place even I can't get to Don't fuck with the deadly Moon waves and overseas Quick coast and overseas Fuck those who don't believe They will never wanna admit I'm the best here From the mere fact that I've got ovaries It's a woman's world, so to speak Pussy, you sour Never giving credit where it's due Cause he don't like pussy in power The following Venom. podcast is scheduled for one fall um, No, I'm kidding But uh, I am So I'm joined today Got Quentin, obviously Got Dan Scotty Former host hey. of Sports Entertainment Shrinks uh, Current founding, running Grand Poobah of Pizza Party Wrestling And I'm not gonna do what everyone expects me to do And have this week's episode name Be a reference to a particular uh, Let's say Internet conspiracy theory um, no, I'm going to make the episode title this week um, be a playoff of who I think is the true ace of Pizza Party Wrestling, the Oswald Project. But last week, last episode, we were the Judas Project, so I don't want to have Project in our name two weeks in a row. So this week, Quentin and Dan, unfortunately you have to go along with this, we are the Jack Ruby Riot. Um, okay. Right. <laughs> Dan, how are you doing today? I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that. It's, all right it works for me yeah i have no objections um i'm, I'm all right tonight i'm uh we're, we're a few weeks away from from our show grapple picking i've just pretty much been in a state of that's all i've been thinking about and it will be this way for the next three weeks but it'll be fun nice. two weeks i guess two weeks away i almost messed that up yeah so i uh, people need to not get used to this this is not an interview podcast we're not going to do interviews regularly we did the dylan interview please, please do not reach out to the to the slut to the twitter account we have and ask us to do interviews no <laughs> this is not don't. happening again i've had i had some people who had opinions that i was a little bit too friendly a little bit too buddy buddy and jokey with dylan even um and that's the point. The only people that we're going to have on interview is people that we're friends with. So if you think yeah, that like, I was too like friendly. Like, you look like actually our friends. Like we've yes. known these people for years and years and years. Exactly. But if, so, <laughs> but if you're not and you think you're really entertaining, please send me a resume with references <laughs> and I, we will have a, a rigorous application process and, and maybe, just maybe, you'll be on the show. But probably not. Yeah. Get to wrestle HC Loke. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Worst case scenario, if you don't get on this podcast, I'll throw you in the ring with HC Loke. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's that's yeah. a, a, a fair a waiver, but still fair trade off. I mean, he's a real professional. He goes all the way back to the ECW days, even. Um, yeah, probably even before that. I don't even know. Um, either way, so Dan, people who've listened to my interviews uh, on this show, at least. Uh, maybe familiar with this so i figure i'm gonna stick with the same theme i'm gonna start out first question i'm gonna ask you i already referenced him but I'm just gonna say one man's name oswald project what the fuck is up with that guy man uh as far as i'm aware he's from wyoming uh he was created in a laboratory in a petri dish and he is the most goddamned flexible man i've ever seen in my entire life or if you could even call him a man i don't really know yeah, I love that guy, honestly. And I, I, I've talked to you about Brad Rush. I think he's another standout from Pizza Party that you guys are booking that no one else is. But Oswald Project, another one. I mean, he feels like a guy that you guys should lean into from Pizza Party. And, you know, it's not my job to tell you what to do here. But just so you guys have that unique thing, I mean, he's the damnedest thing. Like, the guy just, he stands out to me. He's got a really cool charisma, really cool in-ring style. 
and just you know the 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 second ep- the second I was gonna say episode the second show that you guys did he uh, opens up the show in the opening match and I I lo- I really like that as setting the tone like I said with a really unique character yeah and then during that match uh, he did the probably the craziest thing I've ever seen where he hit that that uh, I don't even know how, what you would call it but that that moon salt that he hit in the from the gymnastic move where he uh, yeah, it was yeah. insane I. It, as it was happening, I, I legitimately couldn't fathom what was in front of me, and like I had no, if, I don't know if I get picked up on camera at all, but like was losing my mind. Like I, was like, all right, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen, and it was match one, and it's his second match in Pizza Party, so who knows where he goes from here. So Quentin, do you have any kind of uh, <laughs> similar, just random ass questions to ask about the shows in general? No, it's. It's such a weird thing with these shows, though, because so we knew about Pizza Party, like as far as like like our little like inner group of friends and everything, because like we mentioned when we were opening, we've all known each other for years and years and years, just based off doing um res- wrestling website stuff, and then all eventually just being in the same group chat and all becoming close and friends with each other through that. So as we're hearing that Pizza Party is going to be a thing and that you guys are going to run on WrestleMania weekend. WrestleMania weekend has become this really big and, in my opinion, oversaturated market for wrestling because it feels like a lot of places aren't really getting anything out of being at WrestleMania weekend. But you guys come along and you guys, without having the same kind of name value on the shows, and albeit you did have some big names on here, uh, Robbie Eagles, Daniel Makabe, Fred Fred Yehai, someone that eventually became, became a big name, Alex Zane was on the show. But you guys weren't exactly one of the marquee lineups of the of the week, and yet by by the time everything is done, you're getting mentioned, but on the likes of like really pr- really prominent Twitter accounts and David Bixen span talking about you guys and how how weird was that whole thing? Because I'm not sure you guys went into the weekend thinking that you were gonna make that big of an impact. No, uh, absolutely not. the The Bix thing is is still crazy. I and it was it was cool because like people knew I was doing it like friends and stuff. And, but like one of my friends who like knew I was running the show, wanted to come and couldn't make it, sent me the, the Deadspin article. Like after I'd already read it, but he was like, dude, this is insane. Like you're in Deadspin. And I was like, yeah, this is, this was just, you know, a thing that I thought would be cool to do. And obviously, you know, when you do it, you have like the pipe dream that it's going to be something crazy. Uh, I don't think when the first, the idea was conceived, it was like in, november or something of last year i mean the idea was there it was always a thing i wanted to do but like mania week was was like something i joked about when they announced it in uh april of 2018 and it sort of manifested itself into this thing that like i said okay i think we could actually do it and then once like the it started that first quint i think you were like one of the first people to retweet that first announcement and like it, that that night was the craziest night like up up until the actual first pizza party show like just the response it got was uh, unbelievable how's it been how's it been since then because you guys have ran two shows camp camp moonsault i would say i haven't seen the same amount of love for but still like for a new promotion it's gotten a really good amount of social media traction and everything and you're still and you're and you're booking people that pop up in a, in a lot of really um unique places or get or get booked all over the place like last year you had Rory Gulak and you had Tony Deppin who's been having one hell of a year 
and just so far has everything exceeded your expectations because I know when a lot of people get into wrestling, a lot of it is like these like not grandiose, but you expect, okay, well, I'm not gonna get much from this, so let me just go out go out here and run some cool shit. I have the money for it. I'm just gonna have fun with it. And we can get into what your motivation factor was when it came to opening Pizza Party or making Pizza Party a thing, but has everything up to now been exceeding your expectations? I would I would say yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely you know, when you start and even even from the time that we really put the first show together, it was not something that like most of the talent was on the first show that when 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 the show was announced it wasn't it wasn't where like it ended up like the show we had to adapt like things sort of adapted as as the the response grew and it it was it was crazy to to like be sitting there in situations where like i was sending texts to to people being like okay guess what we have this this person's on the show now and it was just it, it people i i think you a few minutes ago you said we didn't have the name value i think that what we did have was the name value in pizza and i think it just got people very excited and so like all you know a lot of those people reached out and we we added them to the show because we were like okay we're you know we might as well fit in on mania week like we could run a show with all of our you know these these people that we know but then we can you know we added people in it and so sort of helped you know help our raise our our credibility going into that show um before i pass it off to uh tim again you touched on something there where it's people that you know and i guess we can get get into that a little bit is that for people that may not know you because dang you're not like a super active Twitter person you never someone you you never been someone that was in the wrestling Twitter bubble where you were like going to all the shows and everything you've always been a really busy guy but you're someone that has all these connections with people that you know and it might not be super obvious but the sort of a uh, very illustrious or infamous background wrestling scene that is a uh, We've talked about a couple of times on this podcast and other pl- other other platforms that a couple of our friends like Brock, like Brock and someone that does a uh, commentary for you, Andy, all come from that, and that's how you guys all know each other. And then there's a couple people along the line that you guys have guys have met online, in person, and everything. So while Pizza Party was such a brand new promotion, you're also someone that you're also a promotion that was able to get Robbie Eagles. Robbie Eagles, a guy that had new Japan bookings coming up coming on coming up on the horizon and but Robbie's background and you having that connection, Robbie was had no problem being on your show. So how's it feel to like have those connections really come to you all these years later? It it's real cool. It was something uh as this like and I, I hate using this terminology, but it's like it's just the way like all of us backyard wrestlers sort of talk about it. Like the era that I was a part of, I came in sort of at the tail end of it. As that was sort of dying off and more and more people were going pro, I was looking at it as somebody who was new to all of it, who like knew – like there were so many guys who had potential but who would never be given the time of day or would never be given the opportunity to show what they could do in a ring. Um, and you know, Brad Rush is one of them, and there's there's a couple others that uh, we, we featured that like I, I think are really special. Uh, they like bring something different to the table for wrestling and – uh, I said we do all you know we've had all these matches we've done all these crazy super shows these people have wrestled all these matches against one another and, and nobody's really ever seen it and I was like well why don't we have all this chemistry you guys are going pro everybody's establishing a name why don't we just pull it all back together and Mania Week was kind of the perfect storm because you know as, as you said uh, Makabe was coming in uh, 
you know, Fred Yehi was going to be in town. Um, so it was going to be like the perfect opportunity to really do that without having to leave our own space. And a whole bunch of other people from different areas came up, you know, for the show because it was just sort of that perfect storm thing. And, you know, guys were, were able to show what they could do and people were accepting them. And that's so cool. Well, you, you know, you talked about that and like the pieces falling together almost or whatever you want to say. And, and uh, I guess, what do they say? Like luck is what happens when opportunity meets uh, preparation or whatever. Um, like, you know, the, the, you had cultivated this background, you had cultivated kind of the, the mind that you have for wrestling, which I, I did put over when we first went, you know, me and Pete on this weekend wrestling, were first kind of talking about the pizza party show that your brand and your brain and your concept really, I thought was like really weirdly perfect for the zeitgeist of what's popular in wrestling right now, but able to do it authentically because as Quentin has pointed out a couple of times, you're not entrenched in the you know kind of irony wrestling twitter culture or you know like that vibe but you are like that person so it's like you book the style of show that's really in vogue right now or you put together those kind of shows but like it doesn't come across as contrived because i this is authentically what you're into and what you're wanting to do um and in a lot of ways you kicked off the wrestlemania weekend with your first show huge i mean you guys were one of the first shows to happen for the weekend and you had matches with people that people were still talking about at the end of the weekend as being possible match of the weekend breakout performances for alexander Mad- and all this matches matches people that like that might make top 100 the match of the year list and like daniel and daniel makabe and fred yehi like a legit dream match for a lot of people yeah, so so coming out of it and then seeing, I don't know how many other shows you went to or how involved you were with the rest of the weekend, but how did you feel you did with that really kind of kicking open the door saying, we're here and now the rest of WrestleMania weekend follow that? Like, did you have like a self-satisfaction with the way that that kind of turned out? Yeah, I I could not be more happy with, with how that show went. Um you know, if you ask me, I could probably pick things, but like really, really as a whole, um, there's one moment. And I think this is really the moment for me that made me knew I had accomplished at least for the first half of the show, what I wanted to accomplish. And I was going to the bathroom before intermission. And, uh, there was a guy next to me at the urinal and I just looked over him and said, Hey man, you having fun? And he was like, dude, I don't like wrestling. He's like, my friends brought me here. They said, you're probably going to hate this, but just come watch wrestling with us, which is the exact kind of fan I wanted to go after because I have always said that there's something for everybody in pro wrestling. They just don't know it. And a lot of times it's because wrestling is like an intimidating medium because you have to fight the stigma that it's, you know, it's predetermined and it's performance art and all that. So I was like, I want to just create something that's a little bit more approachable. And that guy said, yeah, don't like wrestling, but this is the most fun I've ever had, and I would bring dates to this. And I was yes. like, okay, we've we've done we've done what I wanted to do. Yeah, I mean that point is really huge, and and you saying that and having that you know anecdotal thing, like, that's kind of the point. Is you made a show, you put together a show that was pretty easy for anybody to digest, but again, as we said, still had stuff that the ardent wrestling nerd is going to continue talking about at the end of the year, probably. And again, I mean, Alex Zane... Oh, go ahead. I said, I hope. That would be so cool. Alex Zane comes out of this with a match. I mean, people people debate. I think I'm honestly one of the people who might debate that, like, 
Robbie Eagles, Alex Zane was the best match on the first show. I, I can't say 100%. I think pretty much everyone else goes Makabe Yehai, but I think that there is a toss-up between the two on, on what match was, was really better. Um, well, that's not the point, but my point there is, you know, Alex Zane comes out of this now, and then he shows up really all over the place, and especially, you know, on the GCW Backyard Show, and they, they present it as Backyard Wrestling, but, I mean, Pizza Party Wrestling felt like it was the proto of GCW doing a Backyard Show. It felt like you guys were doing it without calling it that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to ask you to flame them or call, you know, anything like that, but I'm just... Or, or, or start some shit, but, like, it's a pretty valid point, and Dan touched on it there. It's like, that's felt like the culmination of, like, years of, okay, well, we know all these guys are good, we... You've seen this stuff. Well, how about we just put everybody on the show since we're all here together? I mean, let me let me start by saying I love GCW. I uh, so <laughs> no no yeah they they're they're good. I love them. They're they're the I I I love watching GCW. I I love everybody that's involved with GCW. So, um, but for the no for the most part, uh, it was funny during our second show, and I missed this because I was running around. Uh, but in our second show, uh. I, they said still life during uh, their promo said that uh, our fans were glorified backyard wrestling fans. And when I, when I found out the next day that that's what they said, I was like, man, that's the highest compliment. I, I think I could have <laughs> as, a, as a promoter that, uh, that, that if that's what people think I'm, I'm I did a good job. Um, but no, I, I, I think uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I never thought about it that way, the way the way you put it, that we were sort of the, the, the predecessor to that. I just think it's, you know, it, it really sort of what it was. It was, I think, I I remember people that were showing up that like for that first show, the people that we we had on the show, and as they were like walking in and realizing like that this was more or less people from backyard wrestling who, like, got their way into Mania Week and 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 were putting together a show. There was like definitely there's definitely something going on there where people were like, really, this is weird. But everybody everybody like kicked ass and everybody had a good time and everybody enjoyed one of their performances but i think it's definitely like you know you don't know what you're going to walk into i think backyard wrestling definitely has a stigma so um if we could be debunking that stigma that would be real cool yeah i mean um, it feels oh go uh, ahead um you can go ahead because i had um uh more of a deeper question for that so you can you can go ahead first oh i was just gonna say yeah i mean that feels like that stigma is slipping away and there is a market for it but you know, again, not trying to start anything, and you already prefaced saying it. But do you worry that not just GCW, but in general, the way that wrestling is, people follow the trends, and it feels like Pizza Party has a niche that it can fill. But do you worry that that niche is getting snapped up as basically the same concept clearly is like spreading across, or or is that something you worry about, or do you think that you know you've got the brain and and the idea that you can just like come up with whatever to make your shows continue to be unique? I think in a way, yeah, I, I think I'm not, I think I probably would have been a lot more worried about it, uh, but I, I, I don't really think I am because at the end of the day, like, you know, that's how wrestling is. There's already like a couple of people, like, you know, like a lot of like theme shits popping up and I don't have a problem with that. Like do, you know, if it's working, you know, if it works for us, you know, use it. I mean, I think we're always going to sort of be a little bit different because I, again, not to toot my own horn or anything. I think my mind for wrestling is just really, really fucking out there. And uh, I, I have a lot of cool ideas. And I think, you know, as long as people come and are, are willing to have fun and see new things, I think, you know, I, I always want to make it a place where there's new shit going on at Pizza Party Wrestling. There's people you've never seen before. And, there's, you know, there's a well of so many guys that, that uh, you know, we all came up together that, 
you know, one by one, people will slowly start trickling in. Like we had a uh, camp counselor, David Auburn on the last show. Uh, and he's really not really done anything for, he, you know, he had a crazy exploder suplex. Um, but he's somebody who, you know, little by little, you're going to see these, these moves and these, and these styles of wrestling that kind of only really existed there because shit didn't matter and you could do whatever you wanted. And I'm not saying that it doesn't matter at, at the level we're at, but I, I just think that there was a lot more, there were no rules there. You know, there was nobody telling you that how long you were wrestling, you were, you were pretty much doing whatever you wanted. And, you know, it's sort of controlled what we're doing with that. Like we're taking people who did whatever they wanted and say like, okay, do whatever you, you did the best. Like, don't go out there and do crazy shit. That's going to like hurt you or, or other people. It's, you know, it's a little more controlled, but, um, I think that it's a hard thing to cultivate because like the backyard scene is just very fucking different. Like, like if you're in it when we were, cause every, everybody's era is different too. Um, I, I just, our era was very different from other things. I'm not saying it was better or worse, but it's just different. So every, everything that we have is a little bit different than what's before and after us. So what I was going to get into here. So as I look at, as I look at the grapple picking lineup, um, something I notice is, a good amount of talent that would be associated with Chikara. And something I know about you was something I know about Andy and something I know about Brock and something about like why well, I know like you guys got along so well was this uh, overall fondness of Chikara as a wrestling product and really admiring what they were doing. I think even even you, when you were still doing wrestling podcasting, had this story about going to a Chikara, Chikara seminar and all the tips that Mike Quackenbush was giving out and how fascinating that was to be a part of. And seeing people like Quack, Boomer, Hat, um, Boomer Hatfield, Danger Hawk, Rory, um, Rory back on the show, and um, Molly McCoy, how much inspiration, if any, do you draw from Chikara? And how do you try to toe that line with inspiration and maybe like trying to feel like feeling too much like a tribute act? Uh, that's, you know, it's funny. That's, that's one thing that when I went to that seminar that, that, that Quack sort of spoke to was not being a, a tribute act. So the, that originality thing always is, is something that's at the forefront of my mind. And I'll actually, as I'm putting together, uh, you know, shows will, will say, is this too much like this? Is this too much like that? Because I do, I do think about it. I do try to be as, as unique as we can. As for Chikar's influence, it's definitely, you know the outside of the box stuff is 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 definitely an influence. It's not I wouldn't say like a, a regular influence. A lot of like, it, it's funny. A lot of what comes up now for for wrestling for me is watching things outside of wrestling. Uh, like watching, you know, there's there's so much good content on Netflix right now, and there's they're telling stories in different ways, and and even just being able to sit there, uh, you know, while I'm on my couch, an idea will pop in my head, and I'll, I'll you know pull out my phone, I'll type in my notes, and I'll or I'll just sort of like backlog it. And then, you know, it's, it's, and it's even like what is shown on the screen doesn't directly influence it, just triggers sort of a thought in my mind. And, you know, we, we take it from there. So, so how has it been currently trying to put, trying to put this one together? Because something that I've noticed as a po um, that was a theme for uh, Camp, Camp Moonsault and the first piece of party show, as opposed to grapple picking, is that this one is going on in Philadelphia. And, so at first I was thinking, okay, maybe there's going to be a New Jersey specific promotion and now you guys are running a Philly show. So what's the, what's the plan there? Are you going to try to alternate between those, between those two States? Are you guys going to try to go up and down the, uh, like up and down the East coast more regularly as things, as things, as things proceed and how does that really work for you guys? Um, 
logistically being being such a new company yeah it's I I guess I'll start backwards. Logistically, it's uh, this this will be an interesting uh, run doing this this show from from Philly. But I'm not you know we're not too terribly far from Philly and know the area pretty well. Um, this was sort of just a matter of we we were looking for venues. We sort of kept striking out, uh, and we were starting to get further and further away from from home base. And then ultimately, we you know the, fortunately the Wrestle Factory was open, and we figured all right we have you know. Mike Quackenbush on the show, you know, how, how cool would it be to run the Wrestle Factory? And, and um, so we're, we're happy we're doing it. Uh, I don't know how much we'll run in Pennsylvania just because there's a lot of red tape in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, so uh, New Jersey, there's a lot less red tape. So it's, you know, there's, you, you're more sort of free to do what you need to do. Um, as for sort of touring the East Coast, it's definitely something that's on my mind. Um, I would we do run quarterly for right now, so it is kind of hard to, uh, you know, say that we're going to go up and down the East Coast because we'll only have uh, a couple shows a year. Right. But but ultimately, um, there's a couple places I definitely want to run shows. I, I want to run a show near New Haven, Connecticut, because they have really good pizza, and I feel like running in Chicago and doing, a, you know, some people might not like deep dish pizza, but just you know it's got a it's a place with iconic pizza so i feel like running chicago would be a, a cool thing as well so um you know i, I think there's a couple I, I mean i'd i'd wrestle anywhere that would want pizza party but for right now within those first couple of years we're probably most going to be mostly going to be in, in new jersey and and if we step outside the northeast you know like it, it would be something like a connecticut or a or or somewhere without a, a an athletic commission pretty much cuz the the red tape is uh you know, not something I really want to mess around with right now. I know that I know there is a bunch of red tape involving uh, the sort of like Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. But I was just thinking about that because now with there no really no, never really being um, or not really being a prominent promotion running in this area, it feels like that would that would definitely be an open market with MCW being the only one that is running regularly in the area now. Uh, Nova Pro seemingly closing down. Because it seems it seems like there's a little bit more of a space if you want if you want to go as far down as the Maryland and DC. Oh, that'd be that'd be cool. Um, that'd be yeah. I uh, I, I would definitely. That's the thing. I'd I'd be into anything where you know where there was enough people that want us to be there. I, I'd I'd go to. Um, right. But uh, I'd like to. Um, I'd like to make North Jersey, because there's there's stuff in North Jersey, but like I'd really like to. To make the area I live in, in in North Jersey like a prominent uh, like wrestling area, I think there's so many wrestling fans here already. Like, you know, the the those shows at um, MetLife and what used to be Continental Airlines, like, or it was the Izod Center now, but they don't run or Prudential Center. Like, there's so many wrestling fans and they're so loud. And you know, I, I don't really agree with anything that most of them say, but you know, at the end of the day, they they like wrestling, so if they want to come check out something that they they don't. You know they can hate watch it if they want, but they they don't have to. Uh, they can come watch us. <laughs> so you know, there's a bit of a history of indie wrestling in that area. You know, New York, New Jersey, kind of all that. In especially on the indies, having let's say some not so savory characters on the promotion end of things, pulling a lot of really kind of shitty things, sabotaging each other, sniping back and forth. Um, do you? 
worry about getting involved in anything like that with you know other promotions anything like that have you reached out to other local promotions to kind of try to make sure that something like that doesn't happen or do you think that maybe that's a bygone era and the scene has changed a lot and who's actually involved in putting shows together in that area i i personally haven't interacted with anything overtly negative or really negative at all so far um from a promotion standpoint um i'm fortunate enough though that you know more outside of the area i, I well i mean in pro wrestling magic they're great guys we have a, a good relationship with them um all, all the guys who run that are, are, are real cool people um but the uh and they're they're a little further like north than we are uh so i guess they're really north like north north jersey for for what i was saying before but um ultimately know that that um i like i, I you know I, I talk to dylan every once in a while matt from from action wrestling and um uh mike roch from uh from interspecies like all these guys who have been have been really helpful and sort of shown me the ropes as somebody who really doesn't know what I'm, I'm getting myself into. Uh, but you know, all, you know, a lot of people have been willing to lend a hand and we've, we've a lot of promotions have been really cool with us. So I, I'm super appreciative that like in my head, the way wrestling works is it's not that way. When you're new, you have to, you know, you have shit thrown in your face before you, you earn respect. And, and fortunately for us, like, I mean, I guess maybe we did get shit thrown in our face, but uh, yeah, I don't know. But, but for the most part, like we, earn people's respect it seems and it's, it's real cool to have be able to talk to such like impressive people like even you know we've you know, mike quackenbush is on our, our third show so i mean we, we must be doing something right yeah totally i mean um yeah and you you mentioned kind of running different places running around but also talking about wanting to kind of keep in your local area there how important do you think like continuity because you you're doing a great job i think with your social media pushing promos out there putting out stuff to make you know stuff for the shows exciting and interesting and different especially with the themes and, and the storylines and everything that you're doing but like continuity from story to story are you concerned with running shows in different areas in that like the same crowds won't be there that people may not be familiar with everything that happens show to show so they they can't follow or is the plan to maybe keep it simple or have some interesting storylines, but nothing that makes it like, you know, too kind of involved to where you can't just drop in on each show and appreciate what's going on without knowing the backstories. I think for the most part, you'll be able to watch them without fully knowing what happened the show before. Um, I think we set up some, some angles and things and, and really like, I don't want to overwhelm people and like, I don't want you to have to come to a show. Like, cause it's, it's not that serious right now. Like the, the stakes aren't, 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 you know, in a, in a promotion with three shows, the stakes really can't be that high um, just because it's so new. And, you know, like I don't want to have a championship for a while because, you know, like until you know who our guys are, there's, you know, how can you get invested in as anybody? That's, I think from a new promotion standpoint, you should always sort of work up to it. Um, that's, I mean, but that's just me. Uh, but for, for the most part, no, I, I, we have like one angle that's like gonna probably span most of the history of pizza party and the, the other stories we will sort of sprinkle in and they will be paid off within a show or two or three, but it's not going to be nothing like, you know, you turn around and you're like, what you're coming to the show. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I have no idea who these people are, why they're so mad. Like, it, and if it is going to happen that way, we'll make sure the explanation is there for people. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll come at it from a very you know, like exposition standpoint to, to really expositional standpoint to like explain to you what's happening as it's happening. So like you don't have to be confused and 
feel again like uncomfortable and intimidated and not want to come back. Is is that a difficult thing to balance? Because yes. like just like just like just because wrestling is so driven by uh having like like regularity when it comes to titles and everything like that and is functioning without the title such a real, such a hard thing to manage in going into three shows now a lot of people like you should be proud of yourself a lot of people by the third show were already like ready to tap out they're ready to be like okay i had my fun with this this is done but this is getting really hard to do now but it sounds like you were still just as dri- just as driven as you were when you were doing the, running the first show but at what point does it does it become a little bit more difficult like all right maybe we need to start introducing some titles because this this is getting really really hard to manage yeah that's that's a i I really like that question because it's definitely we we've had the team and i we've had the discussion quite a bit and you know there's there's been talk of doing tag team titles first um there's because there's been talk about introducing a, a singles championship like after our first year um a part of me has even toyed with the idea of doing something crazy as introducing like a mid-card championship first and working up down the line. Cause again, it's, it's a new promotion. Like, you know, we, we, we can, there's a sort of a blank canvas. We can kind of do whatever we want. And I, I think one of my biggest gripes with, with wrestling as a whole is that there's so much commitment to like, what's been, you know, like, you know, like everybody sort of does, I guess contrived is the word it's contrived. Everybody sort of does, what's been done before. And I, I really appreciate what like a beyond does with their ACE, or I, I really appreciate things that just kind of do it a little bit differently. And I'm trying to find a way to, as we, you know, dip our toes into having a title that, it, that it makes sense and it's different. And it's not, you know, that, it, that when you see the pizza party champion, it's like special. It's not just like, Oh, this is, here's another belt somewhere. Not to discredit anybody's belt, but you know, I just want, I want it to always feel important and I want to make sure that we introduce it the right way. And, you know, just come up with something different, really. That's what. No, and like hearing you talk about it, and I've I've always thought you've had a a really good mind for wrestling, even dating back to when you were like to when you were just podcasting. But something that I really appreciate it is that the fact that you realize a lot of the talent you're using, people don't know. So you're not gonna beat them over the head and just like beat the fans over the head and just completely introduce a title in the first show because that like still no one no one knows anything. No one cares. How are you going to make them care about this title and why this person has it if they don't know them? So I really appreciate the approach of, okay, we're going to baby step this thing and we'll see what actually works, what takes off, who gets rec- who, who starts getting recognized and things like that. Because if you don't do it that way, then you're running the risk of just having a title and the title match on the show or the champion not getting as much heat as you would like. And, you know, that's the biggest thing on the card. Yeah. And then, and then getting to a point where you, you have to hot potato that your your first championship, you know, away is like, oh no, this person's not over, so we have to, you know, you never want to be, or that guy decides, hey, you know, this isn't for me, I don't really want to do this. Like, you know, you need to really test the waters and see who's committed and and see, yeah, and you just need to see who the people are going to get into. Like, if it was up to me, I could tell you that the person in my mind, head of the first show, who if we had a title match, what it would have been they i don't think it would have landed the way we would have wanted to Uh, i don't think it would be i don't think it would have gotten off the ground i think we probably would have hit the stumbling block and i'm I'm glad i'm actually i think 
you can see it now with AEW that like I think when you book without a champion, it's all fun, it's all games, and then the minute you bring a title into it is when people start having dissenting opinions about whether it's the right call, it's the wrong call, and that's you know one of the one of the gripes I have with wrestling is that you know sometimes the story has to to let itself unfold and people are, are are quick to react to what immediately happens and you know obviously it's not like Chris Jericho is going to be the only AEW champion ever unless you know the promotion goes out of business tomorrow or something right. like that but it, you know that's just how it goes it's like you know there's a story that's going to be told and just buckle up sit along for the ride but that's one of the things right now as an early promotion I think the longer we can like mitigate having people argue over whether we made the right booking decision is you know it's not something i really want because i just want people to enjoy it i don't want it to become like a, a back and forth battle of no this guy needs the belt this person needs the belt it's a party i i, I think it's got to be fun for for a long time before we start make it, forcing people to to get serious about it like like just the fans like i think sometimes you know i we try to approach it from not taking ourselves like overly seriously and super yeah like aggressively high stakes or anything like that like it's you know right now it's pro wrestling we we have we like you know turn up the intensity a little bit where where we think it's needed but for the most part we're just trying to have fun even like our social media we just try to present wrestling in a in a less serious manner yeah i mean um i agree with that sentiment overall i think that you're being a little bit harsh i think that you know if when t flex had won the championship on the first night i don't think the crowd would have turned on him too much so don't worry um your instincts were correct <laughs> i wish in... i wish i wish he won the belt man that would have been great <laughs> he wouldn't be his life wouldn't have fallen apart the way it's fallen apart <laughs> yeah exactly um but uh yeah i i i guess you know all the stuff you're talking about that it does make a lot of sense and it's it's interesting to think like you know you talked about the beyond ace thing and the way that that works because it can be transitioned so seamlessly because it's not an actual thing to just who feels like they're the top person. And that can get it's, a little it's, bit. It's really, it's a really flexible thing because at, at the end of the day, that's just pride. Right. You yeah. can do so, you can do so many, you can do so many more things with like the concept of pride because all these people are still people and human at the end of the day, even in this pro wrestling reality, other than I'm going to go after, I'm going to go after this belt because I want this belt yeah um and that's and that's part of it too is I, I think even now with the nature of how independent wrestling can the landscape can be so easily shifted i think for me you know like we could if we did have a title right now you know say say alex zane or tony Deppin or daniel mccabe have it what's stopping you know by the next we run quarterly so what's stopping from the next time we run a show that one of them has signed a contract somewhere yeah and, and mean, it's like exactly. it's, it's hard right now to like because and, and it, it happens so fast. You look at somebody like Marco Stunt, who, if say you know say he's in a promotion for and they're you know they're they're trying to build him up to be, you know the, the biggest thing in the whole world. And as they're about to have him win the championship, like he could win it, and the next day he's gone. It was like PWG when every like a few years ago, every champion they had <laughs> dropped it like the next show and yeah. got signed. Yeah, I mean that's the the golden period of PWG, if you ask me. I I loved I lo I loved that when they were hot potatoing the championship back and yeah, forth constantly. You, yeah. Um, where Roddy held it for like 500 days and then yeah. it was like two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. Um, Quentin, do you have any more <laughs> serious topics before I uh, go off a little bit? I wanted to talk to Dan about pizza. Uh, I mean, no, but I do think it's a very, very strong offense that he will not outright slander deep dish pizza, deep dish pizza because I feel like that 
deserves to be completely buried publicly. You like how you like how like much of the line I've towed so far. I uh, I really you're know doing, what I'm... You're, you're doing really yeah, you're good at this. Very good. <laughs> so let's get into regional pizzas. You mentioned New Haven style pizza, and I mean uh, the you know your pizza party wrestling. Who else am I going to fucking talk to about pizza, right? Um, yeah. me, me and you have done podcasts talking about beer before. Let's get into pizza here. So you mentioned New Haven style pizza. There's a place out here that makes what they call New Haven style pizza. Have you had authentic? in new haven new haven style pizza no i haven't but i've uh i know enough about it because i care a lot about pizza <laughs> okay and so have you so had is any it like the pizza with clams on it is that yeah yeah i guess it, it's like a thin crust uh there's a few places out here that make the crust i would say similar to it but yeah what's, the toppings what's, like, what's on their clam meat yeah they use there's like clam so, yeah. clams with alfredo sauce basically like a white pie with clams um is like kind of the i think the standard or the standout um but I think the 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 standard or whatever is supposed to just be basically like tomato sauce and cheese, like uh, Parmesan cheese, basically, um, yeah. with no mozzarella. Um, so yeah, I've had what's the California approximation of New Haven style pizza. Maybe the people are originally from there, and I enjoyed it. Um, so I was wondering if you've experienced it, or have you experienced any kind of approximation of a New Haven style? Um, I've had some Connecticut pizza that you know claims that it's at that level but you know i think when you're again it's kind of like wrestling sometimes you just have to like yeah no we do this too and right people are like oh, okay yeah sure i'll try it and all right <laughs> detroit style yeah. pizza where do you come down on that i don't know what that is what do they do how do they it's do like it? it's weird it's like square and thick yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like square yeah, it's like square square thick, thick so it's like sicilian pizza uh kind of it's kind of it's kind of like deep dish, but it like almost the opposite where like deep dish is like soup in the middle because of all the sauce. It's like the sauce like soaks through a really thick bready crust. Oh, no. I, I sign me up. That sounds great. Yeah. It's to me, it's knife and fork style pizza. And there's a place out here that started making it that I really like. And they do weird shit like they do a buffalo cauliflower Detroit style pizza. Well, hold, well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I can't I can't condone calling anything knife and fork style pizza yeah, i was I gonna say like, i can't i, I can't believe yeah, tim has like a I'm, whole designation of pizza that's called fork oh no 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 pizza. no, I, no I, it's not the, that's the coast but that's the coastal elite in them no it's <laughs> I, okay so what i'm saying there is that is not a style i'm saying this is a pizza that's like at least the one that's fucking covered in dripping buffalo sauce is kind of hard to eat with your bare hand um but it's like it's I so yeah, i don't know man i've tried I've tried it. I have tried it. I enjoyed it that way, but for ease, for comfortability, I uh, I tend to go with the knife and fork. Um, but uh, but it is. I, I think that's a great pizza style. So if you're thinking about running shows in you know areas that have specialty pizza styles, keep Detroit on keep Detroit in mind. It might be kind of far, but maybe you can make something work. Uh, I think is bumpy knuckles from detroit do you think i get bumpy knuckles on me because i was just listening to uh bad bad man by john cena this morning on my way to work <laughs> and i was just thinking was like, why, why did why did bumpy knuckles i'm gonna look this up right now and see what happened to bumpy okay. knuckles um, he I, oh he's from long island i could probably get bumpy knuckles to come out to a show you should oh should my god yes try yes perform do an, do an intermission performance oh, on Bumpy Knuckles. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be sick. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I don't have money to pay you. Bumpy Knuckles is holding us up. He's yeah. taking the no, entire I think, door. I think, I think they'll understand. Yeah, I think, I think it's understand. acceptable. Um, all right. So what regional pizza styles 
stand out for you? What type of pizza is your personal favorite? No, 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 no. Oh, we gotta, oh. the, we gotta get to the we gotta get to the hard hitting stuff first. Okay, okay, okay. Dan, you've been towing the line. You've been a really great company man. Now you got now you got now you got to play our game. What place has had the worst pizza that you've been to? There we go. Oh, okay. Um. It's honestly, I've probably had the worst pizza I've ever had around here somewhere because there's just some places that make dog shit pizza. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, some places just they can't make pizza. Um, but um, this is this is great. Ten years ago, WrestleMania 25, I'm I'm in Houston with my with my dad, and we were at this restaurant, and I was like, oh, they have pizza, I'll get it. My dad goes, you don't want that. You're not gonna like whatever this is. You're not gonna like it. They served me uh, a pizza with like a half melted piece of what looked like white cheddar and <laughs> uh, a, an actual tomato slice on the pizza. And I was yo, like, what? I, I was just like, yo, this, and I've, I worked in restaurants for four years. This is obviously before that, but and I've always been super, super courteous to service officials. I was like, hey, man, where I come from, this is not pizza. I can't, I'm not eating this. <laughs> Had one bite, was like, yep, nope, not for me. A tomato slice. Yeah. <sighs> Could you get any lazier? <laughs> so, 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 explain this to me. So, it was, it was just the crust. Like a, like was it even like piece of crust? It's a piece of crust. Um, you know that fighter fest or fighter festival? You know that fire festival sandwich? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. It, that, that's pretty much what we're we're talking about. I mean, the crust was all like yeah, the crust looked all right. It was better than a piece of white bread, but yeah, I mean, by no means was it. Was it pizza? Whatever that was. No. All right. So what you're telling me is that Houston undoubtedly has the worst pizza you ever had. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying that they have all bad pizza, but uh, you gotta commit. Gotta commit to it. Yeah. <laughs> Come Lean on. In. No, all I, right. I, I, if I really want to like throw fire, I'd, I'd say that like uh, Papa John's, uh, but that's just because my family doesn't like <laughs> whoever that John Schnatter. They don't like him. They hate him. I don't know why my family just doesn't like him. So I, I just this pretty, is pretty I'm, pretty bad dude. Yeah, for yeah. the most part. I, oh, I forgot it turned out to be bad. But like when we were growing up, like if there was oh, a Papa John, okay, okay, okay. No, if there was a Papa John commercial, they were like, "Fuck that guy." Like, <laughs> okay, yeah, fuck that guy. Whatever. Nice. Like, pretty pretty punchable face. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Definitely. We always did the joke growing up. They're like, "He's not even Italian. He's, <laughs> he's not even Italian. He doesn't even have. He's not from anywhere. He was made in a lab." Was it, was it a thing in your house where it was just like, yeah, he's like, nah, he's not Italian. We can't, we can't, we can't fuck with that. Uh, I think honestly, I might have started it. I was just like, this guy's not Italian, and something, yeah, I don't know. I just, you just say shit. Sometimes you're watching TV, you just say shit. Next thing you know, it's just what, it's just law. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you make the joke to enough different people, and then you're like, well, this is the truth now. He's not actually Italian. Well, and you uh, do uh, have. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, trust me. We, we do this in Slack all the time where we just committed to every, Everyone is a really horrifically bad person if you, like, just go by what we say in Slack. But right. fortunately, fortunately, I, I don't toe the line in Slack. Unfortunately, that conversation can't be leaked, I don't think. Oh, God. I've just opened myself up to a to a leak. Uh, what was I? I don't even... I don't know what, what uh, what's next even at this point. I don't know. Um... Well, how about this? Dan, you can feel free to plug or get shout-outs for anything that you want people to check out right now. Hey, man, plug, plug, 
Plug, plug the show. Right? Do you mind if we run through the, the, the card real fast? and then Let's I'll plug do it. Away? Yeah, man, everything. Yeah, All let's right, do cool. it. So, uh, I don't know if you were prepared for this. I'll rattle this thing off. I've had a Google Doc open on my computer for the last six weeks. So, All right, we've got... Just, con uh, just continuously open? Yeah. Yeah, it, it gets closed every once in a while, but usually uh, like two minutes after I close it, I'm like, shit, how long did I say this match was going to be? And then I'm back in it, and I'm messing around and I'm typing notes and yeah this I'm, this, I'm, this sounds like a terrible job <laughs> <laughs> I mean Matt uh Brad Rush tells me maybe three times a day God you're the only person I know that like of our friends that could put up with this bullshit <laughs> so uh I, I care a lot is, is what I'll say um uh so coming up we got uh Ava Everett versus Molly McCoy that's uh that's going to be on this show. I'm real excited about it because uh, I think they're two talented young women that in a very short amount of time, you'll be able to look back and be like, oh, shit, they wrestled each other like then. And like, I feel like they'll be wrestling each other for a while, like just back and forth across the Northeast. I feel like that's a match that we'll we'll see a lot of. Yeah, yeah I, I got introduced uh, to, um, to, Mo to Molly recently, and I was, I was really impressed with her. Yeah, she's definitely stand up. I'm not too familiar. I don't even remember, sorry, the the name of the other girl, but Molly was uh what I've seen, I really was intrigued. So I'm intrigued to see this matchup. Yeah, Ava Ava Everett's uh one of the uh the platinum honeys. Oh, okay, okay. I don't yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. That's all that's all right. You're 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 okay. You'll know her after after that match. You see what I did there? Well, I do know her, but I just don't know her by name, I guess, because I I've no, seen no. the platinum honeys. I like actually both of them, so either way. Yeah, you'll You'll never forget her name after <laughs> yes. grapple picking. How's that for salesmanship of the show? Um, then we had we had to make a slight edit, but we have uh, Sean Henderson and uh, Tyrannosaurus Flex, Ezekiel James. Tim, I know you're 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 a big fan of uh, of Tyrannosaurus Flex. I don't know if you I guys am. got to catch Sean Henderson at uh, at our last show or at uh, interspecies. Uh, food fight from for mania week but uh sean's uh definitely gonna be somebody to watch for him in the, yeah yeah in yeah like i like sean i like the sean versus still life from the from the from the last event i i, I, I like the guy yeah he's you can he's one of those wrestlers that you can feel everything like every everything he does you can feel it and i think that's a, a hard thing to do in wrestling today especially when so much of what they 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 you know that people want is just like ah holy shit uh, uh uh he he brings a lot of the like he can pack a lot into a little and, I, and I'm, you know he's trained by matt tremont he's probably the nicest human being i've ever met in my entire life he's a great guy but i think against tyrannosaurus flex he's probably kind of screwed <laughs> yeah i mean t flex been kind of a standout of the of the show so far um big personality big asshole so uh yeah that's gonna be interesting <laughs> he's uh he's uh He's uh, falling on hard times, but uh, if he gets gets this win, he's back on track, hopefully. Oswald Project ruined his life. <laughs> ruined my uh, life after that video. Just like when he just bent it to the bent it to like nearly a circle. I was like, I, I, I don't want to see this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we've got uh, the Midnight Coal Company, which is Brad Rush and Russell K. Best versus... Uh, the Atlantic City Scoundrels are our, our, our premier tag team, and uh, Leo Zuko and, and Dominic Truex. Dominic Truex, the son of 911. Unknown fun fact. This is like if you just just looked at the match graphic, this is like the scummiest looking match I've seen in a really long time. <laughs> yeah, just absolute. Uh, Both of these teams are just up to nothing good. 
Yeah, they're well, one. You know, the the the, uh, the Midnight Coal Company. Uh, they 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 killed off our timekeeper for uh, <laughs> for botching a, a finish, and uh, the other guys. Uh, they they find a lot of uh, they find a lot of TVs on the side of the road. I could, let's let's say that about them. <laughs> <laughs> they come they come home with a lot of yeah a lot of free free things. The fall off a truck kind of stuff, huh? Yeah, they're they're fall off a truck kind of guys. Um, but uh, I, I've said it probably any time I've been on a podcast, but Leo Zuko is arguably the most innovative wrestler, and I feel like he hasn't gotten. Uh, he hasn't gotten even to really showcase what he's all about yet, but he's somebody who, when you know we were back in the yard, was everybody like undisputed the best. And he's he's incredibly talented, and, and his partner Dom is for a big guy could move like crazy, and he hits a choke slam, good as if not better than his pops. So uh, he's you know two two really strong guys, and Brad Rush, you know he's he's got in there with Alex Zane and Faye Jackson, and he you know fought the hell out of the two of them and and russell k best haven't seen a lot of him yet but he's uh as you said he's definitely a shady guy and he does some shady shit but he's he's a he's an entertaining wrestler and i, and I think that people are really gonna enjoy this one yeah i mean the atlantic city scoundrels were definitely a standout in the the scramble match on the first show you talk about the innovation but like a lot of the cool double teams and stuff that they were pulling off there so it's going to be in, interesting to see them some more and it'd be interesting to start seeing them maybe get around a little bit more and and show off what they can do in other in other promotions as well and in different matches but for now yeah, pizza yeah. party's their home it's great yeah I'll, I'll, I'll take it um yeah they, they did a schoolboy canadian on the first show and it was arguably one of the most surreal things i've ever seen in my entire life um then we've got uh alex zane and anthony green that that uh, looks that, that looks awesome i really i really like zane and then Green's like always such an entertaining character, so this was a really colorful master book. Yeah, I just figured I didn't. I mean, they ended up interacting in a, in a match at uh, American Rana, but I, I thought for the most part, I was like, these are two guys who are just on the rise and they might get signed to different companies and never wrestle each other. But I figured, why not? Why not do it? And yeah, and, and, and oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I'm just I I like I like booking things like that that you're just like, oh yeah, this, and then you see it and you're like, oh shit. Never, yeah, I mean, never. Yeah, never knew I wanted to see that. Just announced Zane's going over to OWE, and he's a guy who's. I mean, you know, everyone talks about Deppin and how good he can be with everyone, but Zane kind of has the same thing. I mean, what he brings to the table, I feel like he can really, he really delivers against any opponents. And Anthony Green, I mean, people might think it's like a Styles clash, like a match that may not come off great. Maybe they would think that just because of Anthony Green's Styles a little bit more laid back, but I think Zane Green together could could put the, put together something awesome and i i really expect them to yeah i'm i'm, I'm really looking forward to it it's, it's something that i yeah I, I think it's gonna steal the show it's funny i don't feel like it's getting the buzz uh I, I yeah i really don't think it's getting like buzz but i i, I think as we get closer to hopefully people start getting really excited about it like or at least talking about it because i'm curious to see what people are expecting from it and 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 and, and whatnot but i i think yeah it's, it's one of the matches it's, but it's hard like the there's so much crazy stuff happening on the show that like there's there's i feel like we booked a lot of stuff that's worth like talking about and and you know they're they're, they're obviously going to kill it there's no way they're not going to kill it but it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun and then after that we've got the uh the no mercy n64 survival gauntlet uh this is one of those stories i mentioned that we have 
you know, Van Valley who, who turned on uh, Camp Moonsault at our last show. He was trying to defend our, well, we thought was defending our honor against uh, the rich jerks from Chicago and uh, ended up turning his back. And so we've uh, we put a bounty on his head. It was a whole thing. And now we're, we're doing a No Mercy N64 gauntlet with like H.C. Loke, Johnny Cockstrong, uh, The Whisper, uh, Alan Clayball, Zachy Strutz, Sage Matthews, uh, camp counselor Dave Auburn. So yeah, there's a there's a whole bunch of guys in there. That's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the entire I enjoyed the entire angle, and I like the fact like and it's a story, but I like the fact that you're having fun with it too. When you and you know like the reality of Pizza Party being like like such a quarterly promotion so far that you're giving yourself wiggle room to yeah, it was a heel turn, but you're not making it like a super serious like blow off bloody things just like all right well here's a bounty and we're gonna do like some this like wacky scramble gauntlet match thing and we're gonna we're gonna have fun with this yeah we i i, I thought you know why in you know somebody does something you know granted like dude is getting a little outside the box of uh, of wrestling but like at the end of the day it's like why would we bring him back at all to wrestle for like for us after he did that like what you know what promotion would like yeah we're gonna bring this guy back who, right. who fucked us over so i was like well let's bring him let's bring him back and like literally put him through hell let's like have a you know 45 year old jack dude beat the shit out of him and you know <laughs> somebody put their dick in his face like that's what you would do to somebody who 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 wronged you you'd you'd, you'd take them down in every way you could emotionally <laughs> physically yeah <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna torture this guy we're gonna waterboard him on the show Watch oh, on IWTV. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't. Is that is the Geneva Convention at all enacted a pizza party pro or is that separate? Is it, it's outside um, of Rome. What the Geneva Internet. Convention doesn't know won't hurt them. Is Perfect. All Love it. Um, what's the what is the layout here? Because what's to stop this you know this scoundrel Van Valley for just taking a dive against the first person who comes out and and having a short night or you know what is the uh, what's kind of the setup here to 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 or is it is it just like a regular gauntlet or what's the is there anything so to it he, uh so it's essentially it's i don't know if you're familiar with no mercy and for those of you who aren't uh it's an n64 game and they had a gauntlet mode where uh, four people were in the ring at once and after a certain point um you know there's four people in the ring at the most and then if somebody gets eliminated another person comes in the ring and um Essentially, the, the the incentive for for Van Valley to keep fighting is is uh, is money and, and free pizza. But at the end of the day, if he bows out, I mean, those guys are all still going to be fighting for money. It's okay. not like uh, it's not like when you pin Van Valley. It's like you know, you you claimed a bounty. There are people ready there in, in in the old west, ready to take you the fuck down. And you know, you did all the hard work, but they're just going to steal the, the the fruits of your labor. And you know, with with a match like this, money's on the line. People are gonna people are gonna do some crazy shit to. Uh, to win some money and eat some free pizza. Yeah, secure wrestling, that back. Wrestling, wrestling needs more money stipulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I always, yeah. What's, what's a better, mo- you know, what's a better motivator? When you don't have a title either, what's a better motivator than, than money and free pizza? Well, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Because, yeah, I was not familiar. I, I wasn't, I didn't realize that it was actually playing off of the match mode in the No Mercy game. I thought it was 
you know, just being no mercy because you're taking no mercy on Van Valley there. But uh, you it did mention just a double entendre that really worked. That's, it's, that's how we it's got perfect. there. It's perfect. Uh, but you mentioned the the rich jerks from Chicago. So you know Chicago. There's another ding. Terrible pizza. Terrible jerks. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I hear the the condo that Van Valley has out there now because that they they gave him after. Well, actually, the condo's here, but they also gave him a condo out in Chicago too. But essentially, piece of trash. All of them. No good. Okay. Um, then. <laughs> Then we've got a. Uh, I was I was hoping somebody would chime in and say like fuck them, but that's all. Then we've got uh, Oswald Project, who we 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 mentioned at the, the top of the hour here, and uh, E.M. DeMorris, Evan Matthew DeMorris, Sonny Defarge, and, and Matt Vertigo in a four way that I think will uh, knock people's socks off. Okay, is it DeMorris or Demoris? DeMorris. Okay, all right. So I've been saying his name wrong this entire time. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Unless unless Jakar has been saying it differently, but from a, a different time, a different era, it was uh, it was Demorest. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, yeah that, he this, is this, Demorest. This looks, this looks really fun, and anything with Oswald Project is bound to be like some wacky, insane shit. So I'm I'm into this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a four way scramble type situation. I can, especially you know, for myself, I can can be a little bit of a turnoff. But these guys all have a unique kind of presence they've all been on pizza party and like i have some kind of expectations of what they can do especially in a setting like this so this is just like expertly put together as as a four-way kind of scrambling match that i'm actually really excited to see thanks yeah i I think i think with with all the traits that those guys bring to the table i think the the combination of the four is going to be a ton of fun to see it all unfold in you know how they're going to pair off with each other and how you know what sort of four you know, for some spots they'll come up with, like what sort of crazy Tower of Doom shit that they'll they'll do that nobody's ever done before. Because um, we've already saw one sort of crazy Tower of Doom spot with Oswald where he did that, you know, the, the standing moonsault onto everybody or onto Ezekiel, James, and, and everybody. But yeah, there's just it's just gonna be a lot of fun, and I think people who don't know Oswald Project should hopefully no i mean i hopefully they know everybody after this match but i i mean oswald project is, is in there with people that are really going to make him uh work if he wants to keep his impromptu undefeated streak that he doesn't really even know is happening but <laughs> she's just along for the ride he's just the most jovial man <laughs> who's ever lived um and then we've got uh ktb versus commander man dan which if i could say from a fan's perspective is a thing that just because i I think it's so crazy that it's a match that's happening and I'm I'm excited that we were able to do it. I just I just think it's going to be so much fun. I don't really know what's going to happen. I just know it's going to be a fight and uh, I'm just pumped. This this is going to rule. I like recently did a big uh binge on binge on um sub um sub grabs and I had seen the Commander Man Dan before but had a new fun a new a newfound fondness for him after seeing his match uh singles match with Dominic Garini. And then seeing they might be Giants versus Violence Forever, oh which my is God, a, so good. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite matches of the year. So now looking at the card, and I've already seen a whole bunch of KTB. It's like, oh, okay, like this is gonna be like fucking great. Like I, there's there's no part of me that thinks this won't be anything less than awesome. Yeah, and I, I think KTB is so criminally underrated. Um, like like I just think he's I think he's so talented and he's he's just so good at getting a lot out of his like you know, I just I just think he's an incredible professional wrestler and uh, I I'm glad that 
we could put this together and I, I hope for both of them it, it it shows them in sort of a new light because I don't really know how how it will clash and how it will come together I just know it's going to be a lot of fun and I, I hope people enjoy it as much as I think they're going to yeah this to me this feels like you know from the first show you had the Zane versus Eagles then you had you know KTV O'Shea it's kind of that middle card but like dream matchup of the card honestly um this is the one that on paper is like the one that you you know i would want to put together just like i mentioned the other two this this is the match that feels like okay dan actually is booking something that that i like he broke into my brain and booked something that i had fantasized (laughs) yeah and it's it's not something i like it's one of the and i like i feel weird sometimes when i like openly talk about this but it was one of those ideas that when i had it nobody was going to be able to convince me that it wasn't what we were going to do like i said nope this is it there is no changing from this like this is like lock this in this is done it just it's something i like i felt and i said this this is going to be awesome all right so has there been any attempt at a, at a strictly no flip-flop policy for command of mandam uh no we're, we're i the amount that i wear flip-flops i'd be a, a hypocrite to uh to deny him that okay all right yeah <laughs> Uh, and then uh, in in the main event we've got uh, Team Quackenbush, which is Mike Quackenbush, Boomer Hatfield, Dangerhawk, versus uh, Rory Gulak, Hallow Wicked, and Cornelius Crummels. And I think this is sort of a, a perfect embodiment about what Chikara is and uh, what's what's different and fun about Chikara. And I think uh, the, the six of these people are gonna have a really fun match and. I'm really excited that we could be the first people to book Rory versus uh, Quackenbush, you know, teacher versus student 15 years later. It's just It's just a cool thing to be able to say that we put together. Yeah, um, I, honestly, when I think about this match, I, th- I think about um, Andy, and I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not sure if Andy's going to be calling um, going to be calling the show or not. But just like how excited Andy is to like be there and be like, oh yeah, like some like a company that I'm a part of is booking <laughs> Quack in the Wrestle Factory. And he's gonna be there. Like that's like, for, for like a long time, like Chikara fan, that has to be like the coolest shit in the world. So I'm like really happy Andy gets to experience that. He tells me once every, I want to say three weeks. He's like, man, I don't know how I'm gonna commentate that match. He goes, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, that's gonna be such a surreal moment. I'm like, man, just, I didn't know how we were gonna do that first show. <laughs> yeah. And then. uh I was in the ring and there was no turning back. So, well, everybody showed up and then there was no turning back. I was like, well, we're here now. Gotta do it now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I guess I can't. Hey, guys, this was just a joke. April Fools. No, it was. um, I'm glad we. I'm I'm glad that the time that Pizza Party started is when it did because I think it's led to so many cool things. I'm I'm glad we were able to have, you know, Aubrey Edwards on the show. I'm I'm glad we were able to have Robbie Eagles like there was a, somebody from new Japan at our first show, like a new Japan staff member that wasn't Robbie Eagles, like somebody who worked for the office. Oh, um, yeah. And we were on their Instagram feed. Uh, yeah, you were, I remember that. Oh yeah. 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 It was, it was fucking ridiculous. And, uh, I remember somebody commented on it wearing a bullet club shirt, gave it a thumbs down. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this isn't for you anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Now I uh, wonder if New Japan will be able to figure out a way to get some kind of passport or visa situation for Oswald Project. I mean, is he? I don't think. How could you even get a birth certificate? Like I don't. No, I'm see not, the real the real the real end game here is getting Satoshi Kojima on a piece of party show. Yes, and then and then following him around 
and then following him around South New Jersey, just trying out all the pizza places. Oh man! I mean, is pizza bread? Be... Does pizza count yeah. as bread? That's a, that's that's what the entire thing would be. I think I think Dan should look into this. Yeah, I'm, I I'll find out. <laughs> they come out. They come out here for. Uh, if they come out here to to Tampa, I'll I will reach out to them and say hi. I wanna I wanna use him for a TV show, and we will just film a YouTube series where we go do this, and it will eclipse that barstool pizza review thing, and it will be <laughs> the best. Oh man, it would be so good. But uh, this Chikara match, I think, is really a really good. Op- offer showcase match for Chikara. Not that, you know, you guys are really, you know, I will say that I know that Dan, I'm speaking for you somewhat, but I think that you would probably humbly say that you're not spotlighting or giving a showcase to Chikara, right? They're a very big promotion. (laughs) I can't say that with a straight face. Yeah. But my point being like, this is, I think people are going to watch this show that are the kind of people, I mean, fuck Pete, the guy I used to do this week in wrestling with, he wouldn't watch a Chikara show, but he went to the first pizza party show. And I think he would continue watching pizza party shows. And this is a great Chikara match for someone like that. And other people who might watch the pizza party show to see that like Chikara has wrestlers too. Cause all six of these guys are actually really phenomenal in ring wrestlers. And I think that some people get turned off as Chikara is all goofy gimmicks and don't realize how much great wrestling has really happened in Chikara. So I think this is a great match to, kind of expose people to that to see like there's more to it there's like a solid foundation of fantastic in-ring wrestlers as well as all of these guys except for quack i guess have cool gimmicks um i guess quack kind of has a cool gimmick um but you know what i mean and like there's quack personality cool in his life <laughs> that's true that is very true um so yeah i mean this is a great match for like i said for that a different kind of fan who maybe has heard of chakara but thinks it's not for them um could see something here that might change their mind. Yeah, and that's all what it's, it's about, exposing people to new things, again, that they might not have seen. And, um, you know, we're sort of, the Chikara audience is sort of being exposed to us. We're sort of exposing them to people who might not have ever seen them before. And I, it's crazy because, like, it's something I, like, don't proudly say, but I, I it's the truth is, like, I, in the years, I should have been watching independent wrestling. I was watching backyard wrestling, so, like, I was exposed to Chikara, like, really exposed to Chikara, like, later in my in my wrestling fandom, but the minute I found it, I was like, oh, God, wrestling that came from my, as you said before, Tim, wrestling that came from my brain is now on the television. How yeah. weird. Um, so I, I always have so much fun when I go to the, the Chikara live shows, and, you know, through the years, there's, there's so many Chikara moments. I, I quote... Uh, you know, one a couple of Eddie Kingston promos from Chikara, like randomly in 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 the workplace, I'll I'll drop random lines that Eddie Kingston said in a promo that just happened to fit naturally into it, and uh, and people people are like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. cold world, bundle up. And, uh, <laughs> just 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 around the printer with a tear in my eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like on a call with a client, like yeah, that post didn't do as well as you wanted to, but you know, bundle up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that man. The 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 wisdom of Eddie Kingston. It fits in the workplace. God, one of my the... one of my favorite wrestlers ever, man. I swear. There there's not you know there's he's one of the yeah probably one of my all time favorites. Yeah, I think the end game yeah. here has to be what KTB versus Eddie Kingston, right? Yes. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Yeah, that has to be the end game here. That would be. That would be something for the Pizza Party Championship. Yes, oh. first in our match. How about that? Eddie Kingston wins it in his first match, <laughs> <laughs> and he holds it for 
uh, and then we actually just become Chikara. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> merge the timeline. He, he, he just retires with the belt. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Kingston's a guy who's very interesting the way that he can be so adaptable to different settings. Um, and yeah, like similar you know, pizza party. Pizza party can have a lot of different things, right? A lot of different stuff going on. So the, all about that balance. Yeah, we try to yeah. have something for everybody on every show, and hopefully that continues to be the the trend. Well, uh, but yeah, is that? I guess we kind of ran through the card there again. We'll, we'll we'll again open it up to you can let people know whatever you want to know or want to let them know um, where to check out, buy tickets, everything like that. All right, sure. So uh, in order, you can follow us on Twitter at Pizza Wrestling. Um, follow us on Instagram at Pizza Party Pro. Um, you can follow me at Dan Scotty. Um, you can buy tickets at bit.ly slash initial cap grapple picking. So the capital G in the word grapple and the capital P in the word picking. Um, you can also check us out on Facebook. There's an event page. You can also get to the tickets there. Um, I'll, I'll, as, a, as a bonus offer for everybody in the Philadelphia area, you can use the promo code THINCRUST in all capital letters to get 20% off a general admission ticket. That was just an offer for the Brotherly Love Wrestling Podcast, but also I'm feeling, feeling generous this evening. So you can also get in on the Thin Crust deal here and uh, get 20% off your general admission ticket. Definitely recommend it. Eight crazy matches. It's going to be a wild old time. Well, all right. Uh, yeah, everyone should definitely check it out if you can. I'm very interested in it. It will eventually be up on uh, independent wrestling. Uh, yes, it's going to come up much faster than the last show did. Last show, we sort of ran into some uh, audio difficulties, and it took a while to sort through them. Um, but we are running at the Wrestle Factory with state-of-the-art equipment, so we should not be running into any audio problems of any sort. So hopefully... Within that first week, it'll be, you know, locked and ready to rock. Fantastic, Quentin. Any uh, last thoughts about Pizza Party? Uh, no, just really excited whenever the whenever the show goes up. Pizza Party is one of the few promotions that whenever a show goes up, like immediately, and like I'm like ready to watch it. I drop it, whatever I'm doing, and I throw that on the TV. And like partially, you know, like I have like I'm I'm cool people involved in the promotion, but I'm genuinely excited to see where the company goes. So I'm Thanks. excited to see where the um, whenever that show goes up on independent wrestling TV. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a lot of fun. And also, speaking of independent wrestling TV, use the promo code Pizza Party. I think I don't know if it's case sensitive, but all caps if just to be safe, gets you 20 days free on independent wrestling TV and there's uh, a ton of incredible promotions like Black Label and Action and Sup and so many others that I've, ever since I uh, got my membership on Beyond uh, on there, I just I, any chance I get now that they have the app, like sometimes I'll just go to the bathroom and when I'm going to the bathroom, I'm like, well, I got 10 minutes and I, I sit there and watch a match and it's great. The app has been a lifesaver. Like when I, but yeah, first, when yeah. I was, first, the first when I was using it, it would never work on my computer. And now the app, I throw it on my fire stick. It's like, oh my God, this like runs completely smoothly. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know it's great. The app is real good. So definitely download the app, use our promo code, stay for the full 20 days, stay forever. It's a great service. You You won't regret it. Yeah, no, definitely, and uh, check all that out. Um, so, Dan, I guess um, you can feel free to head out. Me and Quentin are going to talk about some you know, news topics, any of that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know if you're interested in hanging out for that. and maybe I, I would, but I, I do have to run and, and, and take care of some, some pizza party-based business. There we go. So, yeah, I, otherwise, right. I'll have to come back on if you guys – you don't have to interview me next time. I'll just come on and, and we'll talk about the, the world of wrestling. 
Yeah, I mean, we're looking to have some special guest hosts every now and again, so you're oh, definitely awesome. on the Rolodex. But uh, thank you so awesome. much for joining us. And uh, thanks for having you know, me. Handle that, handle that pizza business, and and maybe make sure that you know Brad Rush isn't tied anybody to any train tracks. Yeah, I think he was making uh, moonshine again in our tub, so I really Jesus. hope not. But yeah, nothing you can do. All right, guys, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. You too. All right, Quentin. Um, get into a little bit of news. We'll we'll skip over it real quick, but I did want to give a uh, a shout out to I guess you know the closest thing that we have on this show to a producer. Um, the at the underscore core wo core woo um k-c-o-r-w-o good buddy good guy who helps us out always gives me news notes information stuff like that to put together so like i said probably what i would say is are the producer of the show in a way i may i may, may do that may or may not be a robot yes may or may not be um that's why like i said i was said so i have to do the editing because he's his uh you know his ai board can't really distinguish human speech properly um so he's not able to handle that but he does produce kind of segments in in dark dark and shadowy from the background um but uh, do have some some news blasts real quick chris jericho loses the aew title uh i mean what else do you expect right that's that's I fucking care yeah <laughs> very know, funny but, but it, yeah it was like you know it was like i was really surprised that it took off the way it did on twitter right just because it was like I don't, I don't know, maybe because it was Chris Jericho and people already joke about Chris Jericho being an alcoholic, that it was like, ha, 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 like Chris Jericho is already this meme at this point with the Jewish right. effect and his goofy shit that he's been doing the last couple of years. I, I, I just, you know, I just can't imagine that this would have been the same reaction if, like, Hangman Page had won the belt. So I think it, it, it got the traction it did because of Jericho. But it was a really funny day on Twitter nonetheless. But, you know, yeah. they got the belt back. They... I think they were trying to make an angle out of it. And then the police department had already put up the picture saying they found the belt. So they couldn't really do a whole, all right, I'm offering a reward to whoever finds the AEW title thing. Right. Which I think they were trying to do. Yeah, which would have been uh, interesting. It would have been a pretty good way to play off of it. I mean, he was at the Millionaire's Club and then he was at, like, whatever out west steakhouse or whatever like that so you know play into cowboy shit with adam page maybe he, maybe he had uh, one of his you know family members at the western themed steakhouse be what uh, who absconded with the belt who knows but all of that is for not the first thing that popped into my head with this was that i found it very funny that this company that's ran by the young bucks has their title get lost when they famously lost the brand new pwg belts tag team belts when they won them that were yeah. brand new and then the young bucks lost them and then now the pwg still has the shitty ass tag team belts that you know are falling apart and all raggedy um best, best the, thing ever yeah so you know that that was kind of the uh the karmic kind of nature of that the young bucks get their title lost by a crazy i mean you know they aren't crazy drunks so they didn't lose it the same way he did but either way um obviously UK wrestling is a garbage fire. Um, the big standout bad things that happen. Southside wrestling closes, merges with Rev Pro that basically feels like it's on its last legs and about to die. Uh, OWE canceling a UK tour and seemingly having like a fucking insane Twitter dust up where the people who were running the OWE UK were not actually connected with the OWE from, you know, China or Japan, depending on where the offices are actually running out of. Um, and then um, then we had um, the breed show that was supposed to be yes. ran, ran in the cave getting canceled and like a whole whole bunch of shit going on and that's not even mentioning the fact that the, the whole jo josh bodum assaulting the referee situation that got right. josh bodum canned from rev pro and 
And <laughs> like, luckily, I already that. followed his Instagram, so I've been getting those sweet, sweet uh, fucking bro stories still on there since it's happened. And uh, I will say, very, very interesting uh, still. Who knows what yeah, he's going to get one, into the, next? The one where he, put, the one where he posted um, the message from Andy Quinlan. And Andy Quinlan's, yep. yeah, this, this ref is causing some shit. I got your back, man. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um. That was definitely Rev a fun Rev Pro, <laughs> might man. Be, might, might be might be done by fall twenty twenty by fall twenty twenty. Yeah, right. Uh broken ring wrestling promoter DMing or getting into a fight with a, a female talent because she wouldn't give him his uh her give him her personal phone number. Um I guess people didn't realize the broken ring was not the wrestling ring, but the broken ring like ring on your telephone, uh, which is what he was trying to do. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. So like I said, UK wrestling really still doing a bang up job, just having a regular one across the board. Um, it's totally, everything's totally fine, guys. No, I will yeah. say that um, we're gonna, gonna talk about the negative that the NPS did sell out. Um, <laughs> I think I, I, th I think they're I think they're running it in the Electric Ballroom. I'm pretty so I'm pretty sure that Natural Progression Street for Progress did sell out, but it is very funny that Ali Pally progress's big show which has david star versus walter jordan graves versus Michael satamora <laughs> like nobody gives a shit yeah but the mps they have uh they've they've seen the sold out the electric ballroom huh Inter which, it's interesting it's interesting to see that you know which is which is like it's funny because if you if you follow progress like they never really post about stuff being sold out because everything gets sold out so i do think it's very it's very interesting that they get the nps to sell out and then they're like yeah NPS has officially sold out. It's like, well, don't your guys events usually sell out? And so, you know, but it, British wrestling, definitely, definitely okay. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was all that, you know, dust up about that the season past ticket holders couldn't sell their tickets unless the show sold out. And that got, you know, maybe moved around a little bit just to be fair to them. I understand the policy, but, you know, when you buy a season pass expecting everything to sell out because it has for years nps selling out in like i said interesting talking point to see the big show with all the names who are on nxt uk maybe people don't have too much interest in that but uh but the show that has you know nps the show that historically was a big deal for progress in the beginning but was always kind of treated as if the idea was that it was helping people grow and become bigger names and they're kind of the younger un you know, hungry undercard guys but in the beginning it was a big focus because that was primarily everyone that was in progress then over the last couple of years it seemed like it took a back seat to the the real stars on the show and the mps was devalued and defocused but that brand and that style is still what people really want to see and progress should probably take notice if they even continue being a promotion um that that's what their fan base wants they want that same young hungry people who seem like they're becoming something that's what people care about from progress and it's what they've always cared about from progress all right so we can hit, hit on a couple of progress things before we move on to uh other stuff natural progression series is happening that happening the day before the ali pally show on um september 14th all the entrants involved are danny duggan malik the ojmo bate mueller Kyron Noir, Dan Maloney, Gene Money, and Scotty Davis. And as a special attraction match, they have CCK of Chris Brooks and Jonathan Gresham and Lucky Kid versus Eddie Kingston and LAX. Um, so I think was the most likely 
thing here for the natural progression series is we probably wind up getting a OJMO versus Scotty Davis final. Uh, I hope those so. Seem, those seem like they're on opposite brackets, and they're the only guys that really make sense. I mean, I could I could see Car Noir, but Car Noir isn't really um, isn't really a progress guy in, in that sense. I feel like he's more riptide, and you could say Scotty Davis. Well, he's OTT and all that, but I feel like Scotty Davis has a little bit more of a story that we could go with there. I don't know, but I my, my prediction is definitely the OJMO versus Scotty Davis in the final. Yeah, and I expect uh, you know Michael Oku, the OMJO. Uh, I don't. I I think is he he needs to pick one of the names and stick with it a hundred percent. And I don't care if yeah, it's the... I, I I I think I usually just go with calling him Oku. Yeah, Oku's easier. I'm sorry, but three letters like that is just awkward. Um, either way, but uh, four letters is just like oh four. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, the OJMO. It's like I don't I don't like it. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I I could definitely see. I mean, on his side of the bracket, he feels like he's the guy that's got to be in the final. The other side of the bracket, I'm with you. I could see Noir. I could see Davis, and I could honestly even see Maloney, um, just because he's kind. He's come back. I mean, he's he's never been great, but his kind of failed run for NXT UK and coming back, he's got an attitude now and a chip on his shoulder that I think really chip on his shoulder. And I like Dan before that, but it feels he he feels really motivated now. Yeah, I, 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 you know, like I said, I would no one. I'm not gonna argue with people who don't think he's a great wrestler. I also, as well as you, always liked him, but, uh, but yeah, he seems a lot more motivated now. And I, I tweeted it out, but right now I don't know why, but my dream match is, you know, pissed off Dan Maloney versus AJ Gray. I mean, two just like muscly yeah, fucking uh, hosses, uh, uh, who who just are pissed off. You know what I mean? So that could be that'd be a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, I could see any three of them ending up in the final with with Oku makes sense to me and. I probably put Oku over. I have Oku win because what's well. I don't know if you want to talk about the OTT show at all. Even at this point, we were going to, um, but he really leaped off the page as a star when he came out for for his match. So no, he yeah. he has a he has a really defined star presence, and the guys worked hard worked hard to cultivate that. He's been around for a couple of years, still very young, and he was trying to find his footing in wrestling. And I think he's really starting to find who he is and what he want and using his voice and cultivating like a really nice look and he's always been athletic he has a nice move set he can be a he can be a great sympathetic sympathetic baby face and i also think he has a really good cocky heel run in him at some point so i think this guy's the limit for the guy but at the same time when the scene is almost collapsed look like collapsing all around you how much is he going to realize realize his potential i don't know but he has a lot to give yeah and he reminds me and you know whatever i mean i probably shouldn't even say this because it will come across a little bit like just generalizing because the guys both happen to be black but he reminds me a lot of of shane strickland right before he broke out um that like you said he's cultivated this presence this aura and this star power and no no totally i I get what you're saying because strickland the reason why he became what he was what he is or at least what he is now what got him signed is he created this great look and aura about himself that he didn't have before that Right. And, and it, it, I mean, realistically, I, like I said, I hate to even bring it up because of that part of it, but like, I can't think of anybody else. It's like compares the same way. It was a unique thing that Strickland did where, yeah, like he came out and oh, we talked about it on our top 50 of the year. I think either last year or the year before, like he just like through sheer force of will made himself into a star and Oku seems like he's doing this, the same thing. I mean, he's working all over the place, but it, it didn't feel like at any point anyone really like said like 
we're gonna you know focus you and push you and make you something he was like no no fuck he, that. He, he, had, he had to do it himself yeah he he made himself um so yeah we, that's the natural progression series and then the day after that they are at the alley pally i mean in alley pally for their big show usually progress big shows are fucking terrible so i'm not holding out any hope that this is going to be any better but we look at this card we have keith lee and matt riddle versus mustache mountain we have the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Aussie Open for the tag titles. Jordan Grace versus Michael Sadamore for the Progress Women's Women's title. There's gonna be a battle ro- battle royal for the battle royal, I guess rumble match more so for the um inaugural Progress Proteus champion. And you already have people like Candy I think there's gonna, apparently there's gonna be um any um any uh gen, any uh, any stacks can uh, can win this belt. So we're at, we have Candy Floss, um, Shakara, Charlie Evans, um, Danny Luna, and Millie McKenzie all in this match. And then you got some other people like Chief, Chief Deputy Dunn, Chuck Mambo, Connor Mills, Eddie Kingston, Ilya Dragunov, Lucky Kid, Niwa, Paul Robinson, all, um, all in here. I don't know who's going to win this fucking thing. It doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know why they're introducing another belt in the first place, but... Uh yeah, like probably the match with the least stakes or that I'm least interested in, and then you have Walter versus David Starr as your main event. If they have David Starr beat Walter in fucking dead ass decrepit progress for the championship, I'm gonna be so pissed. It's like at this point, I'd just rather him not get the win at all. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want it in W. I don't. I don't really want it in WRW either. Right. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm kind of. I just want it to never happen. And I. I can see some people thinking like, "Oh, you want the payout?" That's like sometimes stories don't have the, you know, storybook ending. Or, so, or, or or like or it's it's still a payoff. It's just not the payoff you expect. Right. But yeah, I. I am not looking forward to that. Interesting matchup as well. Aussie Open versus Grizzled Young Vets because there's political machinations yeah, that's, that's, there. That's, that's, that's NXT UK versus what seems to be New Japan bound. Yeah, so so depending on how that goes, we might have some questions as to Even how... Even Jordan Grace versus Michael Satomura. Um, right. Michael Satomura, who's been involved in WWE, May Young Classic, doing some coaching, um, possibly getting some people sent over to WWE, like Sari might be WWE bound there. So that's even a little, a little political, and obviously Walter versus David Starr is super political. Um, yeah, but like literal politics is, because uh, <laughs> because David Starr will be proselytizing about socialism, yeah. you know. Um, so here's the thing, about, we we've alluded to this a couple of times when it comes to this particular match. If David Starr wins, I feel like that maybe give some credence to the, to the idea that he might be WWE bound or NXT bound. Yeah, I if mean... He, if, if he loses, then I think that might that might mean either he's independent or might be wanting to, want to win the AEW. And what I was hoping for was that, like, yeah, we do get some announced October dates for David Starr. And he was announced for the WXW World Tag Team Festival. And he was announced for an October title match versus Jordan Devlin and OTT. But I'm still holding out like I don't know what exactly what David Starr's future is because he did just wrap up in Rev Pro and it feels like he's getting feels like he's getting phased out of AAW. So this is going to be a thing where like I think the politics of it 
of the story here more than the actual match, which is a shame because David Starr versus Walter is one of the best rivalries of the last couple of years. If someone said this is the best in-ring rivalry of the 2010s, I would not argue with them. This is that good of a series. But here we are, and the most interesting thing here is like, what is David Starr's contract status going to be after this? Because there's a super telling match with progress being in WWE's pocket, um, a whole bunch of NXT, NXT UK talent being all over the show. Where exactly does this lead David Starr? And something I've, I've feared is, you know, you know, I said it jokingly, but it's a like honest fear that what if David Starr has been doing this with the independent thing. And then he turns around and he does like a summer of punk, like, you stupid, you stupid people, you really believe me, I don't really care, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that could all be a work and everything that he doesn't really care and that he is actually doing the weed, the independent stuff, but that would be such a pro wrestling-ass move because because everything is so, uh, is so used to flipping the, like, flipping the fans on their head and doing something unpredictable and turning and all that, that you don't know what to expect because here it is almost uh, more than a year later, since Walters won the Progress Belt, David Starr has the people behind him and everything. The story calls for David Starr to win that match, but I just don't know what to expect here. And I think that's really going to be the story of this match, and really the big takeaway, regardless of what happens on the show, that what is David Starr's future in wrestling? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting like you said especially because like, of the like fact if david star like if david star wins it's hard to say that he's not nxt bound yeah i mean I, progress it feels like it's all but clo- i mean similar to rev pro it's all but done like they can keep progress going but it's like the shadow fucking promotion that just feels like it's you know just basically it's just nxt uk under a different name like they just have to keep the lights on for some reason um and so him winning that belt i mean walter is progress champion wxw uk champion right or ugh, progress champion. champion he's also he's also the, the wxw tag champ with Ilya. i'm pretty sure yeah and then you know you've got grizzled young vets they're the tag team or they were the tag team champions in both places also titles did just change hands but uh you know it just it feels like it's the same company so you put your belt on david star and it does send a message that that's what's going on yeah but um, it's also like can you imagine them really putting the belt on star when he is not part of like the plans that they have as far as like NXT and NXT, like NXT UK and eventually progress being on the network. Well, in talking about what's going on with him, I mean, he, it feels like he just recently moved to the UK officially. He announced himself as being a UK wrestler. He, did, he, he just did an interview with the, with the daily star here, which is a um, English, English uh, newspaper publication. So like, I, I think he's very clearly set up, in England, and then everything around him just sort of like fell like fell to shit. Right. So it it was he was committed to the scene. So wrapping up, it's like if he does go to either place, is he moving back to America so fast? That feels like a tough, you know, decision to make. But I guess if it's not viable anymore for him to wrestle, and if he is committed to the weed independent thing, and it's real, then uh, and it's not like you like you're implying like maybe a work or setting up some kind of angle. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe it's not viable now that everything is so locked up in the UK to be an independent wrestler there. It seems like you really have to be connected to some big company, mostly WWE, to get any bookings in the U- in the UK. So maybe that's 
why he's wrapping up with Rift Pro. He's maybe wrapping up with Progress. And, and, you know, and so, let me be clear, like I'm not like sitting here like begrudging him if you want to signing an NXT signing an NXT NXT deal because I think a lot of people got the idea that Davis Stars we the independent thing was about necessarily was about independent wrestling specifically. And I can understand how that how it, how that came across that way because of the people that he had um, wearing the shirts and like sort of like modeling it. You know, people like Martina, the OJMO, people that aren't signed anywhere major or Martina had just signed and all that. And people and people have fun with the fact that she was at an NXT tryout and everything. But the marketing had looked like people that weren't signed anywhere. So it looked like it could have been about independent wrestling, but I always thought that the idea of it was about independent contractors. That's what like wrestlers are classified as being given their, um, being given their benefits for putting their bodies on the line and, uh, working the way they work for people that are called independent, independent contractors. So I feel like like people would still find a way to shit, shit on it regardless of, regardless of where he signed. But it does, it does become a bigger thing when he signs, if he signs to the, if he signs to NXT and is, still align with this with the independent thing right and and yeah i mean i I get where you're coming from i think a lot of people saw it that way and i think he didn't make that clear yeah he didn't help it so i understand why people thought it was about independent wrestling because he definitely didn't make it clear until much much later that it was more like an independent contractor thing and I can't blame him because you don't want to muddy the waters early on. You want to make it open and, and ending so that you can kind of cast a wide net and, and bring in all different kinds of people who are interested in different stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. And it does probably feel bad for some people, unfortunately, that they thought that he was committed to, you know, being an independent wrestler on indies. But he is, you know, trying to do the independent contractor thing. It feels like it's going to be a moot point. I mean, they you know, they, they do say that, like, California is one of the states where we start passing laws and then it kind of spreads to the rest of the country in a lot of ways. Um, and California is really kind of overhauling the concept of an independent contractor. Uh, I know personally because my wife happens to work in like salons or had worked in salons and, and historically salons in America are uh, kind of an independent contractor situation. So I've kind of heard the ins and outs of everything that's going on. And if you do expect that that kind of situation is going to spread, if David Starr is coming back to America, that, designation of independent contractor is probably on its way out anyways so couldn't be too upset with him if he's you know comes to america signs a contract because a lot of the wrestlers are going to stop being independent contractors anyways so it's not much of a fight for him to be trying to make you know um so i don't know i guess prediction nothing i don't think anything on here really matters but i think walter versus david star does matter just for like the David Starr's future thing. So what's your prediction coming out of this? We know a couple of dates we has to, he, he has set up for, for October, but does Walter retain and David Starr is on his way to AEW? Does Walter retain and he's in David Starr is just going to keep being around doing and doing independent wrestling stuff and like really staying true to that idea? Or does David Starr win and we have to wrestle with the fact that he might be bound to have some sort of WWE deal? Um, yeah, I mean, predictions, I guess, I expect Walter to retain. I think we come out of it not really knowing anything else, nothing new on the star situation, because I don't think star is going to WWE as much as, you know, I kind of think it's possible. The NXT being on TV thing does kind of muddy that water a little bit because he feels like a guy that they 
could be interested in having on the NXT television product. Um, he makes sense for them in a lot of ways. He's probably one of the best promos in wrestling in general, um, let alone just the indies. So he's a guy that can sell shows with his talking. He's got a great vibe. And if WWE can co-opt him in the way he brings a lot of legitimacy for them with a certain segment of the crowd that's a little bit more politically minded, that's very popular now with a younger set. So if you can kind of piggyback off of, you know, the Bernie Sanders of, of wrestling um, to kind of make your tainted brand look a little bit better to leftists, because I do hear people saying, I don't want to watch WWE anymore because the company's policies. I mean, that was literally just on the torch kind of uh, questions to the editor uh, podcast today where someone said that, like, I'm trying to watch wrestling with my girlfriend who doesn't like wrestling. And, uh, and we both are not okay with watching WWE because of you know what they do politically so you know you kind of maybe star fits something to help them kind of brighten you know clean up that image a little bit who knows um i think he's more likely to end up in aew i think that makes sense in a lot of ways but he doesn't really have any connections to anybody in aew either so other than just the fact that he's really good at twitter um really good at wrestling um would be the only reason why they would pick him up and i don't know the roster feels kind of crowded and i don't know where his lane is in exactly. aw honestly that's why, a, that's why aw is hard because top heels we have jericho we have pack already um cody flip flops a lot of the time we have lax who just came in and their tag team like and all that but still we have mjf we we might have Sean Spears still around. Like, it's a, it's a really crowded um, promotion as far as people that could fill the role that David Starr does. So what do you do? David Starr is a really good worker, so we could easily just be placed anywhere on the card and uh, produce good matches. So yeah, while AEW might be the most logical just based of what David has been promoting and pushing for what he believes in and what should be done in wrestling, it's also like, well, what exactly what did he do? If he if he goes there, and it's the same thing for NXT too, like we're seeing them in 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 um, influxing this new talent or newer talent to the NXT product, like your Jordan Miles, Cam, uh, Cameron Grimes, Isaiah Scott. Uh, we're gonna then we're gonna then we're gonna be seeing more DiJack and Keith Lee and Keith Lee now. So they're trying that, but at the same time, then David Starr goes there, and I don't know what David Starr does. And now we go. Say, okay, what if he just stays independent? Well, there's not a lot going on independently right now. So it feels like David Starr, for as much as he's been having an incredible last three years of being someone that's wrestler of the year caliber, it feels almost like he's waited too long because now it's like, what what does he do now? It feels like maybe his maybe his window got missed. Yeah, and he he again he feels weird. I mean, he can have phenomenal matches, but there's there's so much to his work right now that's in like kind of built on a lot more there's like a, a lot background storytelling everything a lot of else background, a lot of context a lot of build a lot of build up yeah he's, he's, exactly, he's exactly been a guy where you can just where you just throw him in if you're booking david star you usually have a usually usually have a, usually have a plan for him long term yeah or even if you're just letting him kind of write his own kind of stuff and just go with it he's very good at that too like so and yeah for him to be just a, a roster spot filler in aew doesn't make any sense to me i could see them using him in nxt 
as like a, a, a important part of the company, but I feel like there's a lot of other people who are in line and ready to start moving around. I mean, I don't know. I, but I do, my prediction is we come out of the show, not knowing anything, honestly, it's progress. I feel like nothing important happens. Um, and we just come out, not really having any idea. One thing that did pop in my head that would be interesting is MPS has been a cash in thing. So we could end up if Walter and star are not options for being the champion really long-term coming out, we could, could we see the natural progression series winner cash in at the end of the alley pally show and win the title? That's what I was thinking because Walter has had it for a really long time. And that's something I don't want to get lost. Like when we're discussing this, Walter has had it for pretty much a year and a half. Just by pro wrestling logic, Walter should be losing that belt right now. Yeah. So that's what so that's what gives me the idea that David Starr might win. So what if David Starr wins and they're doing all this stuff, and then I don't know. And this is something I don't necessarily want to happen, but I can see happening. You know, night before the OJMO wins, and the OJMO who's been sort of publicly aligned with David Starr and the We the Independent thing. What if David Starr wins? He's cutting this real real grandiose socialism and pro worker and pro worker promo and then the ojmo comes out like he's gonna celebrate with them and beats them up and wins the title and that's and that's what happens because i don't because i don't feel like either like anything works long term it would be the shot in the arm and something interesting we're just talking about it but like what's drawing who's popular we talked about ojmo being feeling like a star and just catapulting him to the top of your company like that might be the only thing that could get some people interested in progress a little bit i don't even know if it would work but i think it's worth it would be honestly worth a shot i would i would applaud them for doing something like that even if it doesn't get me watching progress again i would like be intrigued to see if maybe that that's a smart way to go because it makes sense the way that you laid it out it booking wise makes sense storyline makes sense and you do kind of get back to the roots of having the champion be a guy who's not a hundred percent proven but has something there and people are going to be interested in seeing him develop and you know it's risky he might not end up being everything that you want but i think it might be the kind of thing that they need all right so we can we can move on from that uh we watched a couple of matches that we said we were that we said we, that we said we were going to try to talk about last week. We didn't have the time to, so let's get to the first one: Kento Miyahara versus Naya Inamura. Uh, the second Triple Crown title match of the year. Their first one being in March, and that one still being one of my top five matches of the year. Really, still believe in how great that match is, and I can't foresee it leaving that top five. And they had a rematch year. Um, I'll let you go more in depth on it first, but Tim, I think they knocked it out of the park again. And it gets more and more clear with every big match he has that Naoya Nomura really is the guy. And not in the fact that he should be the ace, but we talked about Jake Lee. Well, I talked about Jake Lee a lot last year, and I thought that Jake Lee was starting to put everything together. And I still like Jake Lee. I've always liked him. But... I think Jake Lee, like in that aggression that he showed last year uh, in the Royal Road Tournament, I feel like he's really he's very inconsistent. And when he decides to bring that same aggression and level of violence to his matches, that really makes him stand out. But I think Dario Demora consistently has that same fire and same energy. And I think more and more we're seeing that 
he should be one of those guys that we keep building around and keep giving shots and eventually the crowd will just be be in his palms every single time he goes out there for a big match. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I think that he is kind of coming out a lot bigger than Jake Lee. And I was on the Jake Lee kind of bandwagon too, I thought. Or I don't even know if you really said that you were. But I was thinking that he was should be the guy, um, that he could be a great rival for Kento as like a almost like an underling um, who Kento gets to turn into like a grumpy vet type character feuding against. Um, but Nomura, I think, is is kind of better in that role part of it too something okay so it irked me a little bit watching it but they did it really well and the crowd bought into it in that like they really were they both kind of did some tweeneriness in that like they both worked like heels when they were in control and they both sold like baby faces when they were underneath um and they both mixed in some like cocky gesturing and taunting, um, especially Kento a lot. So that did in the moment as I was watching kind of irk me, but it, it was pulled off really well. The crowd really bought into it. And I would say that like, talk about Namora and how great he is. Like there were times where I was kind of thinking the reason why it irked me was like, Namora should just be the clear babyface here. And that's saying a lot going against Kento that I'm saying like, Kento needs to take the back seat and let Nomura be the baby face, the selling baby face. So, um, so that was really impressive, you know, to say that Nomura could be at that level. Cause Kento, I mean, is one of the top selling underneath baby faces in wrestling so much so that it became like a trope to say all of his title matches were set up based around that. Um, that said, I mean, the action, the wrestling itself was phenomenal. I talked about it that like they really pulled it off and the crowd bought into everything really big with them kind of being able to switch back and forth. Um, both playing tweener basically characters there so I have to give them a lot of credit for doing that um, finishing sequence insanely hot but another thing irksome to me not because it was bad but just because it felt like the ubiquity of really the New Japan kind of Okada style finishing sequence kind of Okada Tanahashi kind of thing trading big stuff back and forth near fall teases all that stuff I just I hate to see like that permeate basically every company in Japan to the, to the point where even it feels like you know all Japan uh, main event here is would fit like the finishing sequence of the match would fit right in as like this a finishing sequence from a New Japan title match. Um, that would be my only negatives that I you know kind of come out of the match with. Um, otherwise, yeah, like you talked about, really great, really great action from both i think i liked the first the match from march more um just because like i said a little bit more clear heel face dynamic um to me there and it just kind of didn't have that moment of being a little bit annoying like this one did for me i think kento i think that, like i think this i think already think this has been a career year for him which is funny to say because every year i keep saying like wow kento keeps getting better but really this year i think he's been phenomenal and here he is again. It's like I think Kendall's such a really good dickhead. Um, not exactly has to be a heel in these matches, but just his mannerisms, his cockiness whenever he uh, outsmarts Nomura or anything like that. I really like seeing him in really like really like seeing him in that, him, him in that position because um, I think that arrogance is something that we really miss from. All Japan, there's not a lot of cocky characters there. It's a lot of 
straightforward stuff right now. And I think Kento having such a big personality and he's always had this, but right now when Kento feels unstoppable and there doesn't really feel like anybody that can challenge him, I like the fact that he's getting a little bit more swagger about him, a little bit more confidence. He's going to go out there and you are not really going to give me a problem. You're not a threat. I'm untouchable right now. And I think that's the aura and vibe Kento gives off. And he might have been a little bit more clearly a heel in their first match, but I think the cockiness and arrogance was definitely sewn up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, he's coming into his own. That's again goes back to what I was saying, like the idea that he's. It's not just that Nomura was so good as the the selling babyface, um, but also that that Kento, if he was working just straight heel more um i thought that when he was kind of doing the cocky arrogant stuff he was really good i mean he was so good that that's why i was like kind of feeling this like i wish he was just playing straight heel because it did feel like he sold like a baby face and and it works because the crowd loved it you know the crowd bought into it but i would have liked him to kind of meter that back a little bit and think about kind of playing heel even in the selling aspect um there's not, there's not much much more to touch on with that match other than, yeah, we both agree that Nomura should be the focus and we should be working on getting Nomura to that status of being the guy that eventually uh, surpasses Kento. That is the ace, but the next person to beat Kento, I think, I think should be Nomura. And if that means Kento doesn't lose the belt until next May, then I'm fine with that. I feel like you can, I feel like you can get there. But, yeah, I think all the resources and all the attention right now should be focused on getting Nomura to that level. Next thing is Kansuke Takashita versus Shinya Aoki from Osaka Octopus in DDT. And I just finished watching this about an hour ago. And really, that was that was great. That was really great. And they had an eight-minute match from a couple of months ago that was really fun and unique. And seeing these guys turn that into something a little bit more substantial, a little bit more higher stakes, uh, both their both of their titles being on the line, Shinya Aoki's uh, extreme title. Oh, I'm not sure if he had the extreme title anymore. I think no, he didn't have that anymore. I think Harashima had won that. But the KOD title being on the line and everything. And Takashita had did the thing before where he came out in the with the bare feet and went out went out to wrestle with them. And he did it again. I like that little nod to their previous match, but it's so creative, so fun. I like I like a lot of the a lot of the transitions. I like the stalling. The stalling wasn't super memorable, or got or got people invested too much. But I like the fact that both guys were trying to get the other off of the game off of their game. I like Takashita trying to turn it into a more pro wrestling style match with match with some uh, big strikes and big throws from him. Uh, a couple of chops and everything trying to throw Aoki off and everything about it was great you talk about Takashita being such a great wrestler and he gets to a point where you really have to be like man what what can't this guy do when we had this big Takashita discussion a couple of months ago but seeing this one it's like man like this guy is so good at everything and it means everything this guy can work tournaments this guy could work standalone title matches. This guy could work long programs with feuds with callbacks in history. This guy can work this mat-based match with Shinya Aoki. He can work the high-flying spot fest, tag matches, six-man tags, the goofy DDT weapon plunder matches, the 
uh, campsite matches, any, any anything, you name it, and this guy can do it. And it's just more confirmation of Takashita being one of the tippy-top best wrestlers in the world. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we talked about it with the, the last time we did kind of a, a glowing or at least I did a glowing kind of talk about Takashita in that conversation of all time greats. And this is another example of exactly what I was talking about at that time, which is having unique chemistry with everyone that he interacts with. And like you talked about with coming out with no shoes, coming out to grapple with a, with Aoki makes sense and it's playing off of history. And again, it's that creating a dynamic between him and Aoki and that he wanted to he wants to prove that he can do kind of the shoot style grappling with Aoki and I love that they played off of that in a really smart way where really Aoki was the one who turned to kind of stereotypical pro wrestling type ch chicanery and antics using the ropes using outside of the ring kind of tactics attacking the arm you know running him into the post stuff like that I I really, really loved that because, again, like it shows that this valiant babyface champion came out here with the idea that he was going to try to beat Aoki at his game because, you know, as much as love Takashita as a babyface and as much as you want, like, you know, I think that there's kind of that idea that babyfaces should be at least somewhat humble. At least he's very confident in himself, I'll say. Takashita is, he's got a level of cockiness that would make him say, I'm going to out-grapple Aoki just to prove that I can because if I'm the champion, I need to prove that I'm the champion of everything. And again, you talked about it. His ability to do everything is what makes him a standout. He really pulls it off. And and I think that there's a parallel to someone like Sonata, right, where you've talked about it, that he's presented as this, he can do everything better than the people who are the best at it. He can out-grapple Zack Sabre Jr. And he can, you know, he can out-fly, you know, I can't even think, fucking Will Ospreay or something. Kota like Ibushi. Kota Ibushi. Yeah, he can out-strike with Kota Ibushi. He's just, somehow, he can do everything better than the people who are the best. And it feels so forced and fake and just bullshit. Uh, part of it is the lack of personality, lack of charisma. Takashita pulls it off. I mean, he is able to have this really nuanced character even with me not following any prom you know promos not you know understanding the language anything like that but just from the history of watching takashita matches i know he's got cocky confidence but he's also kind of a nerd he does these shout outs to all of the american wrestlers who've come through or i guess not just american um all of the gaijin wrestlers western wrestlers who've come through ddt that he sees as his idols he does shout outs to their moves because he's still a wrestling nerd at heart even as he's becoming you know the man and that's really that's a really cool thing to see as he develops kind of that layer to his character and again this is because he's got personality he's got charisma he has a character that's why doing stuff like this works and doesn't come across like it's just this forced albatross around his neck that he's oh he's this just blue chipper in every way no it's like you get it he's not a blue chipper in every way aoki take fucking kicks his ass all around the building it was really dumb of takashita to not only think that he could out grapple Aoki but then as soon as Aoki really started to take advantage and and kind of work more underhanded he didn't really defend himself he still kind of was trying to prove that point about being able to out grapple when he should have really you know kind of changed game plans and then he and then he does and he goes into basically his big match stuff but 
I, you know, comparatively, I liked this more because the, the, you know, the closing stretch didn't feel like, okay, we've had this match. Now let's, uh, you know, let's there was, just. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of struggle behind everything. The struggle for the German yeah. suplex was fantastic. Right, exactly. So it's like they didn't just go like, okay, now we've had this match, we've told this story, and now let's tack on the big flashy, you know, trading near false finish. No, they like, they had a finish that still made sense in the context of the match, which was, which made it, you know, made it more, I don't know, more fulfilling for me, you know, and, and didn't feel like you're just forcing something. So really enjoyed this. Great stuff. Again, can it's right in my wheelhouse because I, I love shoot background type people. Everyone knows that about me. So I, I'm going to love Aoki, but I think Takashita was, I mean, again, just proving that he's the star, you know, coming yeah. out of it. And I don't, and I don't want to just talk about Takashita here. Aoki had a, Aoki's had a really fantastic year, man. I've really dug him this year. The build-up tag, um, him and Takashita versus Hiroshima and Hiroshima and Endo, or Hiroshima and Sasaki, whatever whatever that was. The Hiroshima match we had got um, at Peter Pan. This match right here with Takashita, he's had a, in his in his appearances, he's been a really really awesome watch. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because he doesn't really wrestle full-time professionally and he he's been showing up primarily in in ddt this year uh, i guess only in ddt this year really and again it's like unfortunately his style i think gets overlooked in ddt but this proves right here like what they're doing with him against takashita it's like they are showing that like they do respect it it's not you know it's it, it is treated as something important someone who can kind of do what he does it's not all you know pile drivers with people's heads in in people's crotches like there is some real wrestling going on in ddt too so yeah it would be i think shinya aoki could be in your in for at least for me would be in conversation of wrestlers of the year if he if he had more matches and who knows maybe he wouldn't maybe if he had more matches the specialness of him would wear off but i, I, uh, I still i still think he winds up making my top 100 for the year like he's he's been that good in his appearances where it's like man like i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing more of this guy even like went like went like win the KOD KOD title and run through the run through the roster. He's been that fun to watch, and I'm fine with him being sort of a novelty thing that goes away goes away relatively soon. But I've enjoyed him, and I didn't just want this to be another Takashita love fest. But Aoki has been really awesome. Yeah, definitely, and that's and that's part of it. These two guys coming together is what this was all about, and how good they both were together. I could talk talk about it, but that you know chemistry between them that feels special and builds from just the second match you know from one match to the next match you're building you know you're building this dimension this story this what wrestling is supposed to be all about folks you know like background and and, and history and all of this stuff so so great stuff here um did you want to hit on ott road to fifth anniversary at all um maybe not in maybe maybe not in full because yeah, I, didn't yeah. get, I, didn't, I didn't get around to the whole thing, but you did say something interesting in the way of Jordan Devlin is the closest thing we have to a modern-day Jerry Lawler. And I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that, so I was hoping here you could elaborate on that a little bit. I mean he's a nonce. No, um, it's... He is that regional ace champion and just can do everything like comedy heel baby face face the monster of the week drop the title win it back like it just reminds me of you know the old memphis style booking um 
the way that he can stay so fresh like he's been the ace of ott for a long time now at this point um he's got his underneath guy in scotty davis that they're talking about being you know him and star being the new import killers and all this but he still feels like the big deal what he's doing is the most important part of the show and it feels like the crowd lives and dies with him i mean it's just there's you know there's not territories anymore but the irish wrestling is is ireland in general is like kind of separated from the rest of the world enough similar to the uk but specifically because ott is really the biggest and only thing there he is the irish ace i mean that nickname is so true and it like the way that he carries himself as the champion like i said the way that he can like face the monster of the week he can drop the title win it back you know put the credibility on whoever it is everyone you know sprinkle a little you know devlin dust on scotty davis to make him feel like a big star the the blood feud nature of the stuff with him and and david star is like amazing just really buy into the big fight atmosphere but then he can also you know kind of laugh not really you know laugh and 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 joke and yeah like he he's he's starting to really have a personality which i love in ring because like when he was just kind of the the icy killer like it worked and it worked really well but i liked seeing him let his hair down a little bit too especially in this match with paul robinson um but then it gets super serious and and they just beat the fuck out of each other like yeah i just think the way that he's able to really embody this territory and be the ace who can work up and down the card he could do kind of comedy lighthearted babyface stuff he can do super serious blood feud stuff he can go heal um without any problem and doesn't lose any credibility um really can take a loss anywhere on the card and and realistically comes back and is still the guy so yeah i just think it really feels like the whole promotion is just resting on his shoulders and he does it effortlessly he's able to carry it in without really any kind of issues it doesn't feel like he hits any bumps in the road he's just continues to be the most over guy on every show so yeah that's kind of you know what's funny about devlin is he's one of the rare guys where i never get tired of seeing jordan devlin pop up on my screen i'm never like oh another jordan devlin match and even like guys that i'm really fond of and have been fond of for years and even might be the high man on as far as like all time great guys like Zack Sabre Jr., Jonathan Gresham, Walter, at some point I've gotten to them and gotten a little bit of fatigue. I have never gotten that with Jordan Devlin. I've never got fatigued to Jordan Devlin in all the years that I've been watching OTT or I've been aware of Jordan. And he just has this quality about him where I'm always interested to see what he does next, what he pulls out next, because he's such a rapidly improving wrestler. Next thing I know, this guy is one of the best wrestlers in the world at doing a control segment. Next thing I know, he's he's doing limb selling just as good as anyone I've seen all year. Next thing I know, he's having one of the best spot fasts or, spe- or best uh, brawls of the year with David Starr. It's always something new with Jordan, something new I'm impressed with. And he's really one of the handful of guys where I see and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to watch what Jordan does because Jordan always does something cool and interesting. Yeah, I mean, when... when- NXT UK first started and I was actually watching it he was standing out as the only person doing anything interesting you know what I mean it's like it's that's pretty impressive and he does that everywhere he shows up I mean we talked about it before like when he showed up in uh in uh Fight Club Pro 
randomly and it was like he was kind of bubbling up in in otc and he stood out there kind of having great matches as well so it's just like a guy who really can fit anywhere but especially in ott it's just like yeah he is the man he's the focus he's the big deal and he's able to be that champion who who just doesn't you talked about it, you don't get sick of him he just perpetually i think he could go decades if you know if they let him i don't know what's going to happen with nxt uk i don't know what the plans are but uh i think he could continue to just off and on have the title for as long as he wants and it feels like there's not going to be a point where the crowd gets sick of him he's just there's something about him i don't know what it is but he's just got that staying power and it's really interesting because he's like fully the opposite of you know prince devitt fergal devitt the his trainer who a lot of people compared him to for a long time and that like i think devitt is so fucking one note man like and i keep calling him devitt and that's totally not his name anymore right it's finn balor um like he's so one note and there's just there's not a lot to him in the ring at all and devlin is just like multifaceted in so many ways i mean it's it's crazy how different they really are especially because people just compare them as if they're like the same exact guy and and devlin is just a, a finn balor clone yeah i mean some of that is how wwe uses balor at this point i've seen i've seen him do stuff where people weren't really paying attention he was like oh okay like this is actually some interesting stuff like the week where balor Brett balor faced shinsuke nakamura on nxt tv was completely different than most of the balor stuff that we had gotten in, in nxt at that point and no one really talked about that match i think a lot of people probably didn't like it that much but if you go back and watch it that balor there was so completely mean and nasty and the total opposite of everything that we've seen from balor for the most part since he's been in wwe so some of it i think is environment but you're right we get to see devlin go all over the place and have nuance and have depth and have different bags of tricks he can reach into and for the most part Dev, uh balor almost, almost you almost got me saying debit there too but balor yeah. is, can be so one note well and, and playing off of that you know, debit thing i mean like you said the way wwe uses him but also the way new japan used him unfortunately he really didn't get to show off too much depth in new japan either he kind of was rinse and repeat and kind of just kept doing the same stuff over and over again there as well so he hasn't had a chance to really show off everything he could do and maybe he could i i bet he probably could do it pretty well but we've actually seen it with with uh devlin just like how how good he really is at everything and and just really intriguing and an interesting guy to watch i just i hope he doesn't end up in some fucking nxc uk purgatory where we stop getting to see him do stuff outside of nxc uk because He's just so interesting, um, especially um, I in OTT. I think, I think the last thing I had to bring up here is on this road to the fifth anniversary show that OTT had just ran, they had Scotty Davis versus uh, versus David Starr in the main event. And in that match, we have David Starr win, and he is the number one contender for the OTT title. That means at the fifth anniversary show, It'll be David Starr versus Jordan Devlin, something we touched on a little bit a little bit ago. Now, I think in I think this works more in canon because David Starr did bring up the fact that he beat Jordan at the Super Strong Style 16 finals. Because if they didn't bring that up, then it, this would have been Jordan going into this third David Starr match, or I guess it's the third one I've had an OTT. So I'll give I'll give them that, but even by that logic, Jordan has beat both beat Star both times in OTT, 
and stars only beat Jordan outside of OTT. And here they go to the fifth anniversary. And I'm not, again, there's like the Walter thing where if you look at it, it kind of feels like the story calls for Jordan losing, losing the star here. Maybe, maybe that's just me and maybe other people have a different perception, but it feels like star should win this match, especially when some of the crowd is starting to cheer in favor of David star. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what you think here, what you're expecting to happen, but it's another one of the bigger matches that are that's going to happen in the last quarter of the year. What are what are you thinking going into Star versus Devlin for the OTC title this time? I'm way more excited for this match than for Star versus Walter, honestly. Yeah. Um, the build feels amazing. The, the the way that they set everything up here i didn't even really like the tag team run with these two um as a as a team but i really now really appreciate that as the kind of the building blocks for what became this um yeah i just thought it was a little goofy honestly i, I think they went a little bit over the top with kind of what they were doing as with the tag team stuff but now it makes sense because it was the basis the foundation for turning into this blood feud which i think um is really intriguing and really interesting um, I loved the commentary. Did you watch the the Star versus Davis match? Yeah. Okay. So the commentary putting it over at the end where they said, you know, you could basically saying like you can pick whichever side who you boo, who you cheer, but you know, OTT puts together that big fight feel. And it was so true and it was the perfect fucking statement in that moment. All the promo work that had happened from the beginning of the show throughout the show really just came together in delivering this amazing feeling and it, there is a lot of depth to this story you could really choose who you want to cheer the way star is talking might be annoying but he's got really good points and he's not just you know saying "Ooh, i'm a dastardly heel or whatever like he's he's right in a lot of ways devlin is signed to nxc uk he's pretending to still be an indie wrestler you could say he's still showing up taking up spots that should be for real indie wrestlers while he's got the you know the money from um from uh from wwe so it's just like fantastic and it is really interesting that this show has nx a lot of nxt uk wrestlers on it of people signed star, to giving, WWE. star giving the line of devlin used to be the import killer now he's the import yeah exactly yeah it's it's so fantastic I mean, stuff like, there I, th I think it's i think uh a lot of the fans they probably do have like a little bit of a recency bias attached to them because they're forgetting the fact that David Starr completely screwed Devlin out of winning a tag title winning a tag match where Devlin had had Walter beat just because of Starr's ego he just couldn't let that happen let Devlin beat Walter before before he could and stuff like that I do think there's a little bit of that in it because like I, I think it's definitely one of those ones where you could say who you believe who you believe in who you who you side with and everything but the sections for star are getting louder and louder and louder and it feels like some members of the audience are forgetting how this whole thing started which would be which would be my only the only thing i would say there right but again that's part of the nuance on the depth of everything because as i talk about why you could easily see star as the baby face you can also like Devlin is clearly in the right. Like I talked about him being the Irish ace and like he hasn't, he's been on the up and up the whole time and he just wanted to be buddies. And like in the tag team stuff, it kind of works now, especially because it felt like he was, 
he was almost kind of fanboying to David when they were in the tag team. And then to have star turn on him the way that he did because of just fucking his own like insecurities basically. And the idea that he didn't want to be on a team watching Devlin get the win on Walter when he can't beat Walter. That was really great stuff. And it is like, how could the crowd not be with Devlin, but they, I mean, he's got a point and maybe Devlin projects this raw, raw baby face, but he is, you know, signed to NXT UK. He is, you know, basically, um, you know, part of the company that's trying to kill the European wrestling scene, it feels like. So, you know, why should the crowd support him? Because supporting Devlin in some ways is just supporting the eventual destruction of OTT. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot here. It's both inside and outside of the ring. That's intriguing, but also like the work. I mean, these guys are both on fire and they have great chemistry with each other in ring. I will say that like, maybe I'm not completely happy about Davis losing his number one contendership here, but with the way that OTT has done and the way that they're positioning Davis and the way that he felt coming out of this, I don't think that the match was perfect to like get him over in a loss as much as I would hope, but I trust OTT to actually produce something with this that helps Davis forward as well. I think, I think the right move here is definitely Devlin wins and we get Devlin versus Scotty proper and Scotty wins that and we get the clear passing of the torch moment uh, before Devlin might move on to the somewhat greener pastures of NXT UK. I'm not sure exactly how green that grass is over there. Might have a little bit of brown in it. But um, yeah, I, that, that's how I think of it ideally. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how this thing winds up going or ending. Scotty could have looked better for sure, but yeah, nonetheless, I'm really excited for that match, uh, Jordan versus Star, to say. Uh, really excited for that one that eventually happens. Yeah, and, and I mean, you just talked about it there, but it goes back to what I said about about Devlin because we're both really excited for the match with Star, but we're also both really excited for him to then defend the title against Davis, and like that's the thing about Devlin. It's like you talked about Walter. Feels like Walter needs to drop the title. He's had it too long, right? Whatever. But uh, but Devlin, it doesn't feel like that. I'm still excited for more Devlin title defenses. You know? So, again, that just goes back to the guy is just like... He's really flawlessly able to carry the entire company in that ace role really, really well. All right. So, I think that's about it about it for us this week, right? Nothing else to really touch on? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's everything for me. I will say that the show overall was really good. I would recommend people check it out. Honestly, I... No match that I would call like a, a stinker in any way. Um, really, really good. So maybe Tony Storm versus Martina. You could skip it if you want. Um, I know a lot of people don't really like Tony Storm. That's okay. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of really cool stuff here. Again, talking about the way OTT makes stars. Um, there was specifically a match um, with More Than Hype versus Alex Cuevas, Omari, and the OJMO. Yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of people talk about, talking about that one that match kicked ass and everyone felt better for it coming out of it. It felt like six big time stars ready to break out. Even Omari. It was nice to see Omari again and really see something in him again for the uh, first time in a long time. I our, know our poor, our poor boy. 
I know. Boy. I found my shirt the other day. I was going through some of my laundry and I found my Omari shirt. Uh, and I, I thought about him. A little tear came to eye. But then I saw this match and I was like, hell yeah. Like, he looked good here. Um, unfortunately, you know, Oku just completely outshines him. But still, they all, all three guys on that side of the team looked good. More than hype looked awesome. So, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff on this show, honestly. I would I would highly recommend people check out this whole show. I mean, OTT is, is I talked about it recently, but they're like the only company that I feel like is really doing something to make stars and have a unique kind of vision in wrestling comparatively to a lot of other places, especially in the UK scene, but even worldwide, they do a really great job of having a very unique atmosphere and having their own unique stars who feel like they leap off the page. All right. Um, just go ahead and follow the pod at Q and C R on Twitter. Uh, I guess next. I, I think next week I want I want to talk about a little bit more about AEW, just because they've been, they're getting we're getting closer to the TV closer to TV. They announced their next pay per view, which is going to be actually where I live at. So I guess we'll talk we'll talk about that and a lot more stuff stuff comes. But you know not a lot, not a lot, not really a ton going on. NXT is going to be debuting on the US on the USA Network soon. So not a, like there's stuff going on, but not as far as like stuff that we like to cover and necessarily like necessarily like so can't give you guys a full concrete idea of what next week's going to be like but uh hope you guys are in tune nonetheless Quick dubbing tapes, it takes two. Rob base, I was dumb. I took two. Rob place, here they come. But this path don't wanna chase. I was more than happy being a customer. Creative writer, I scribe words a day brighter. But for now, I'ma push it to the side just.